Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the 1-1, your West Australian racing podcast. I'm BJ Ryan. Joining me as always, the Perth racing guru, Terry Layton. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, BJ. Thank you for having me, as always. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we, we're remote podcasting again. Mm. Is it for, for for one more week, do you think? What, uh, what can we expect moving forward with the 1-1, Terry? Yeah, this is our last week of uh, separation, BJ. You can stop crying yourself to sleep every <laughs> evening, don't you worry. And we've got uh, Pistol Pete McCormick coming back for his uh, second stint on the uh, on the podcast next week as well, BJ. So we've got a, we've got a bit to look forward to, steak sandwiches and uh, Perth number one ex-bookmaker. Yeah. yeah. Interesting to see what how the punt's been treating him in isolation, making sure he's been keeping those index cards up to date, Terry. Well, did you see a little tweet from his uh his son the other day? I think he's uh, I think his son might be the new uh resident number one tipster slash punter in the family. Uh he's been uh, been killing it according to uh to all reports. So uh the apple clearly doesn't fall far from the tree, does it, BJ? Yeah, Scott Scotty McCormack, I think he he was uh leading the the great tip off, is that right? Last week? Something like that, yeah. Yep. Something like that. So he's uh yeah, he's uh following in the family tradition there. Um so, yeah, so Pete McCormick, it'd be good to see what he's been up to uh, in the isolation period. And you might have some news on a couple other guests coming up in the uh, in the near future, Guru. Yes, we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago we were going to get uh, – we were going to look to get uh, Mitch Pateman and his manager, Dane Hollingworth, on. And uh, that will be occurring sometime in the next few weeks after we have Pete on. We're just going to wait until um, Mitch has a good book of rides on the Saturday because we think it'll be a uh, more interesting – show and podcast if he can talk us through his rides that day and uh, and do a bit of form and uh, learn a little bit more from a uh, from the mouth of a jockey BJ it'd be good yeah our first uh, four-person podcast so that'll mm. be uh, no no doubt a learning experience <laughs> okay yeah I'd go with shit fight but that's fine a learning experience that works too I guess yeah speaking of learning experiences mm. um, last Saturday don't think I've been that flat for a while Terry mm-hmm. after uh, the Velvet King somehow Got nosed out in the Belmont Sprint. Um, that was a that was a that was a tough one. That really, really rattled me on uh, on Saturday. Um, but uh, but not to worry because it's hard not to be up and about in anticipation for Rack and Tour Stakes Day at Belmont this weekend. Yeah, I, I can understand you were uh, feeling a bit flat after it was a big, strong performance after um, missing the kick and doing the work. It's the type of horse he is. He just he's missed it many a time, and he has no entitlement to be in a finish with the early work he does, even though they crawled along. But um, I think you're probably not as stiff as the people that backed Angelic Ruler, BJ. I wasn't one of them. Um, I'm not actually talking out of my pocket at all. I wasn't on either. Uh, of the two, but um, Angelic Ruler for me was going to go straight past him until that, uh, as uh, Greg Hooper made very um, everyone very aware of on Twitter, and I think a few other people have already noticed it. There's uh, a few of them have been jumping the crossing at the 150, and to me, Angelic Ruler was going to win that race by length at least. I think she can be a horse that um, peaks on a run at times or doesn't. Maybe doesn't have the longest sustained run, but she didn't look like she was stopping there. And I think uh, if she doesn't lose momentum, she would have won that race comfortably, BJ. So I think Angelic Ruler punters can probably feel just as, if not uh, more, aggrieved. Yes, well, um, 
stable representative, Cole, big Cole Pierce, mm. um, father of the Pierce brothers. Um, he was on Twitter um, making some noise and, enti- and very entitled to about, and they're calling it the trench, the Belmont Trench. Uh, so there's a section of of, uh, of grass about 150, 175 metres out from the finish line. Um, and what happens was when they installed the new stalls at Belmont Park, they had to put some uh, a, some piping for the for the water to from from the stalls and from the um, and from the hose bays there needs to run out into the lake into the middle of the Belmont. Belmont Racecourse, um, and what that meant was they uh, they had to this this was in um, this was last year I believe or maybe the year before um, they had to uh, dig a big dig a trench so the pipe could go in and what that's meant is that there's there's a different profile uh, for a very small section of the course um, at that in the straight and um, it really is probably the worst place it could possibly have that that sort of not only does it does it catch the horse's eye because it actually looks different? But from all reports, it actually feels different as well. So there's an unevenness there. So horses are not only jumping that that um, that different sort of sh- coloured strip of grass, but they're also hitting it and um, and misstriding. So question: yeah, there's some issues there, Terry. Question: So. I would be thinking that, uh, well, there's probably a few runs to follow from uh, the Belmont Sprint, Mississippi Delta and the Velvet King um, alongside Angelic Ruler were probably the three of note, I felt. A lot of people will now be following uh, Angelic Ruler into the Hyperion, if that's the way they're, they're going. She, yes, uh, I, I think that's she runs. been confirmed, I think. Yeah. Ah, she, okay, wonderful. Yeah. I, think she, uh, I think she gets the mile. So a lot of people will be following her in the Hyperion anyway. My question is, once a horse misstrides or is now aware of that, is that likely to occur again with the same horse? My my thought process would be yes, it is. That that's now in that horse's mind and I I think it's it's got to be a big chance of happening again and you'd, you'd have some nerves if she's looming and looking like she's going to go past them again once you get to about the um, the 150, 200-metre mark. So what, what are your thoughts there, BJ? Have you ever been in the mind of a horse? <laughs> I think it's more more on the and it's a hard one for the jockeys because at that stage of the race they're throwing everything at their horses unless you're William Pike and you're riding you know all the machines and you've still got a good hold on them I suppose but um but regardless you you know at that moment they don't have holds of their head so I imagine it's going to be the it's going to be the jockeys who are going to be hyper aware of what what's going on um and um and I guess certain horses are going to going to react differently in regards to whether it w- would become a, a pattern thing for certain horses i'm not not too sure about that but um but i do know it does seem to be more pronounced when the rain's around um when the track tr- chops up mm-hmm. and the, um yeah. and because we didn't necessarily notice it when the um in the opening few meetings of the belmont season but it did did um come out significantly on saturday i think there was three cases of horses um where it maybe impacted their finishing positions, Angelic Ruler being one that Terry mentioned, um, and the two two Brett Pope runners, um, Divine Shadow in the last and Porfirio. Porfirio, how are we pronouncing that horse, Terry? Porfirio, I think. Porfirio, that's right. Porfirio. Yeah, so, yeah um, Bo Banovich Edwards on on the pair of those runners too. It's a bit stiff with Divine Shadow because I think uh, I think. Uh, I think uh, Divine Shadow is going straight past Picture Perfect there as well. So, um, yeah, may have seen a couple of different results in the last couple of, of races uh, had they not um, tried to jump the trench. Yeah, and, that, and the, that, that was never more evident than yesterday with the three E's 
Three mm. E's result at Belmont. He uh, he was looming to win quite comfortably. Jumped and balked and misstrode at the trench. Got off balance and went down by a pixel. So um, it's um, it's starting to become a thing. And and but you know that's not great for for, for you know for for the punters. But more, most importantly, it's not great for the horses and the riders. It looks like it's uh, it's yeah, a it's safety dangerous. issue. Yeah. Um, 100%. And and just just confirming, I mentioned earlier, like it was a. It was a factor uh, when when racing returned to Belmont last year as well, and there was um, there was an incident in um, and it was the twenty first of August last year. If anyone wants to have a look at the replay of race four, Chris Parnham was aboard uh, scintillating for his father Neville, and it it was uh, looming to win and and balked, misstrode, and sort of veered outwards, and um, Chris Parnham almost fell off that day. So mm-hmm. this issue has been around for a while, and it's it's a shame that it, that it that the um it hasn't been able to be i guess rectified in in the off season um and it and it's sort of sprung sprung to life again very early in the return to belmont this winter so watch yeah. the space with that terry yes just to those punters that backed any of those four uh, my commiserations are uh, with him old man used to tell me there's a hundred different ways to uh to get beaten in a horse race, well, there's now 101 BJ. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. always jumping the trench at the 150. That that's number 101. The Belmont Trench, yeah. The Belmont um, Trench. So, but yeah, in more positive news for Perth Racing and Belmont Park, they uh, will be welcoming patrons on mm. course for the first time since coronavirus kicked off in mid March. With, um, I think it's a limit of 300 of uh, 300 members in, and their guests uh, are going to be welcomed on course at Belmont this Saturday. Uh, and I guess restrictions will continue to to ease and more people, including owners, um, will be allowed back on course in the coming weeks and months. So so I guess that's uh, that that coronavirus um, situation and the um, and the government restrictions are from that point of view, things are certainly headed in a much more positive direction, which is good. So uh, we had yeah, we spoke on last week's podcast about our impromptu WA racing crew catch-up that we had at the Fenway in Subiaco, uh, Terry, and um, we got quite a response from the uh, from our listeners on Twitter and looks like we're, I guess we're compelled to organise a 1-1 function, catch-up function. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. There's uh, unsurprisingly a lot of the uh, the Twitterati uh, don't mind a frothy and a flutter, BJ, so... Um, <laughs> I think we'll, now that restrictions are up to 100 as of this Saturday, I think we'll maybe look at organising something mid-July or get in touch with um, with Paddy Keefe maybe who can assist us and maybe get back to the Fenway and uh, try and get a, a crew together for a, um, a Saturday Arvo I think this time so we can uh, we can watch the, a Belmont card but uh, let's pencil in something for mid-July we'll, uh, we'll get something more uh, more official out in the coming weeks BJ Stay tuned listeners that'll uh, something to look forward to um, now that these restrictions are uh, are being lifted uh, slowly but surely. So yeah, once again, it was it was a perfect duel to the fore in in last week's feature Belmont Sprint. Unusual combination: Pat Carberry and Adam mm. Duran. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now, perfect duels obviously always had a stack of ability. WA Guineas winner back in the day, uh, but I, I don't know if she's she's produced a performance like that for a while. But she uh, the planets aligned for her on the day. Good result for. Paddy Carberry, good result for uh, Adam Durant. They've been having a bit of a lean trot uh, that camp recently, which we've spoken about um, on the one-one uh, previously. So perfect jewel, just stuck her nose down at the right time, and I think that was the only time she was in front. The whole race was right on the finish line. So um, 
so yeah, she was. Uh, she's going to be a, a valuable broodmare in time, isn't she? For the for Peter's investments and um, uh, she's yeah, she's been a good horse for a long time. Um, what she was one of four winners for the Cerise and White. So the Vortex was in uh, full operation at Belmont last last Saturday. The, the other winners being, of course, Festival Miss Picture Perfect and the very exciting and now unbeaten youngster Dunbar Terry. I'd say uh, too many uh, Cerise and White winners. It's uh, nearly, I think it was about 70 to 1, Betfair SP for Perfect Jewel. And uh, it's just good, obviously, to see a battler like Bob Jag won at a good price. <laughs> and um, and even Festival Miss, I mean, we all, I, I wasn't alone. We all, we I think most of us must have taken her on because she's drifted out to around $9, I think, on um, on Betfair. And a week earlier, we're all tipping her to beat, uh, to beat Labor Rod. So we're a pretty fickle bunch in that case, aren't we, uh, aren't we, VJ? I think, so, I think sometimes we just underestimate, which is a silly thing to say, underestimate just how good Pike is. Like, what, he jumped from 11, no. 10, 11 and couldn't have had any better positioned on uh, Festival Miss. So uh, the wizard... Weaved his magic wand and uh, festival missed. No just, issue with the mile either, was it? No, no. Which you raised no. an issue. Uh, and him- oh, I just found it. Just found it funny. It took him that that deep into a horse who's he's been good, but it's not. It's not one of the top liners for for Bob by any stretch. I just found it very odd that it took uh, so long and it had to, uh, it was that deep into um. What is she five? Into her career. Is she five Festival Miss or four? Yeah, five. It was her 20-odd starts, I think, as well. She's had 20-odd yeah. starts. So it's taken a pl- – uh, she's had plenty of opportunity to step up to the mile and never has. So you just sort of think that this was a uh, coming towards the end of a campaign. Let's give her a crack at the mile to see if she – look, she she might get further the way she um, she chased down Gates of Babylon and won that. And she's a light back in third, five lengths away. It was the other one I think a few of us were willing to take on, and rightly so from the barrier. But uh, it proves that the form and class horses really just held their form um, and – yeah, I mean, retrospect is a powerful tool, but they were the three obvious ones going into the race and uh, they got the job done, the first three was. Yeah, so the star of the show from a Cerise and White point of view was supposed to be the much-hyped Windstorm, uh, much much loved at, at our end, Windstorm. Um, and while, you know, in my view, I reckon he thought – I thought he went super just about the run of the day, but he, he, he it wasn't good enough for him to get over the top of a very slick – Indian Pacific first up. Yeah, well, once Indian Pacific uh, led when Captain Kink, uh, Captain Kink missed the kick. Uh, I I knew I didn't know. I was pretty confident that Indian Pacific was probably going to be extremely hard to beat from there. I, I would have. I was a little disappointed I didn't back myself, and we, we discussed the maps in the podcast last week, BJ, and I was pretty certain that they wanted to. Um, I was pretty certain they wanted to lead on Captain Kink, which was reported they did want to do that if they hadn't missed the kick. And I thought from the death, Indian Pacific couldn't win. But once uh, yeah, once he found the top, gee whiz, that was always going to be a pretty hard horse to catch first up for Windstorm. And the race really panned out nicely for, for Indian Pacific. And uh, credit where credit's due. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Windstorm goes to now and uh, and how much he can improve second up, which I suspect will be plenty over 1,400 probably next week. Yeah, the winner's a very smart horse, Indian Pacific. Don't mm. get me wrong there, but he was allowed, I think he ran his first 600 and he went out in 38 and a half and come Sorry. home a tick, up, tick over 34. So effectively, it was a rolling, mm-hmm. rolling sort of staggered start, 600-meter race really. And um, Windstorm, I think, was... Uh, five lengths off uh, Indian Pacific at the 600 metre mark and ran him to 
a half length. So, yeah, significant merit in the performance. Second up, 1,400, I imagine, or 1,300, 1,400. I, yeah, look, I think Windstorm's just going to build build nicely for me. He, he um yeah, he, he didn't he didn't lose any any points in my book, and uh, I thought the the effort was uh, was huge. And considering just how how um, how fast the winner is as well, so um, yeah, I the best the best part of that race for me was the fact he never got to a backable price. Because if he got to a backable price, I um, I reckon I would be substantially poorer right now. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't think he ever got above about a dollar seventy, and uh, yeah, it would have been a dollar ninety five plus to get involved there. So that was uh, a silver lining, BJ. Yes, yes, absolutely. So. Um, now moving on to, there was a, it was a good long weekend of racing, uh, finishing at Northam WA Cup Day, WA Day Cup rather at Northam on, uh, on Monday. And, um, while Mitchell Pateman was no doubt, um, shattered after the Velvet King, he, he did boot home a double at Belmont on Saturday and followed it up by winning both feature races at, uh, at Northam on Monday. They were the, the WA Cup aboard Führer. Uh, friend of the podcast, Travis Murray, amongst the uh, the ownership there, and and most notably, Mitchell Pateman and Peter Fernie teaming up to get. How did this happen? Sigil, mm. Sigil wins the uh, Northern Traders Sprint. Remarkable, remarkable stuff. Well, I tell you what, that was uh, that was the race. Sigil was meant to be in the race. Uh, when we were all at the Fenway a couple of weeks ago, and I reckon by that stage of the day, we'd all, um, I reckon I'd had enough frothies to probably hop into Sigil. So I'm probably a bit disappointed that race didn't end up occurring. But uh, I thought uh, Dane's tweet um, on Twitter was probably summed it up very well. It was a picture of Mitch Pateman going over the line with a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, a look of disbelief, yes. you could say. And he said, uh, yeah, not even, um, not even he can believe it. So. There you go. Sigil, win number three at start number late 40. So miracles do happen. Yeah, I think it was, it was over four years, I think, since its last mm. win, Sigil. Uh, now, it, like this is this is a big call, but Sigil winning the Northern Traders Sprint, is that a career best performance from Peter Fernie, trainer Peter oh, Fernie? Comfortably can win twenty cal cups, and that doesn't even come close to, uh, to, getting, to getting sigil up at Northern on a Monday, mate. And not does a, not even come close. He can probably come and win a couple of railways. Could, sigil will always be sigil will always be the one on top of the mantle, please. He can retire a happy man now, Pete Fernie, knowing that uh, he's got sigil over the line. Um, and not only did it, it bolted, it bolted in as well. Unbelievable, uh, unbelievable stuff. Yep, it was it was mm-hmm. it was incredible. And it beat the, beat the well back stable, mate. That's right, that's right. It was Pike mm. on board, pastry. Yep, mm-hmm. ran fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of there was some, some incredible scenes uh, at Northern uh, on Monday, including our man Lucky, Lucky Lakdar Ramoli. He scraped the jewel up. Rail Ramoli. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get that to stick. Rail Romola. Have a look how often he goes back to the fence and uh, and rides for luck. I, I don't think it's a bad tactic at all. He's getting a lot of winners up there. But uh, a, I'm trying to get Rail Romola. It's rolling. Pike like, isn't it? Um, he uh, yeah, he scraped the Dulux coolly. Uh, kicked home a, a northern double, and um, I'll tell you what that ride on Elby's Pride gee, that was something else from our man, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I actually don't know what to say about that. He, I don't know what he tried to do early in a six or seven horse field. I think anybody that backed it, including us two, would have just expected dr- from the wide gate just drop out to dead last, just drop him out to dead last, and circle them at the six hundred, pending how quick they're going. Wait for the carter, whatever happens, just but just drop it out to dead last. He tried to find a spot one horse closer. He's ended up deep the trip. He's then jagged it back to last at about the 800 and then 
decided to look for rails runs after being deep the trip. It was just one of the most incredible watches you've ever seen. If you then watch the line, the last 30 metres, and this is probably my biggest bugbear in racing, Alan Kennedy started peering inside. He's just sort of given up with 30 metres to go. His horse has lost by half a head. I-, I doubt he wins the race, but if he gets the head down right at the right time with some hard riding, he's a one in 10 chance of nicking that from Albie's pride. I think that's that's the type of thing that I just, I cannot stand, that I do not understand sitting up on your horse before the line when you're in a tight finish, even if you're pretty confident you're going to be beaten. So well done to Lacta, who absolutely rode with Deer, uh, rode with his, uh, like his life was on the line. Didn't right he what? Line. And, and Didn't that, he that, what? that was the difference. I reckon if Alan rode it just as hard, it could have gone the other way, but Alan just simply just gave up. Too cool. I don't know what it is. It just gives me the absolute shit, BJ. I'd love to know what. Understand. I'd love to know what LB was was trading. I wasn't following it uh, on uh, during the run, but it must have been four <laughs> or five dollars, surely. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, but know. yeah, that's uh, they don't call him lucky for nothing. Uh, so uh, but yeah, he he kicked Omar. He kicked home a double and he's really starting mm-hmm. to um, hit his straps. He's got a few rides at uh, Belmont on a Saturday <clears> as well. And while we're talking about apprentices, um, and I know that you were quite keen on misinformed Ben at Belmont yesterday and while she couldn't mm-hmm. quite get the job done for you there, I think we need to have a quick chat about Maddie Derrick, apprentice Maddie Derrick. What can you tell us about her, Terry? Yeah, well, she she actually rode misinformed Ben really well. Um, did a bit of work early, tucked into the one one. I never like when a horse is wide uh, for the majority, then tucks in for a short while, and everyone sort of the feeling is well that had cover um, but it, it's got cover for a short period and it doesn't have the fluency it had if just allowed to stride wide but um, she actually rode that well in all fairness and uh, it was well backed but basically Maddie uh, horses are rolling for her BJ aren't they um, mm. I mean if you look at some of her victories uh, and I can only I had, a, I had a tough May on the punt BJ it was a, a very difficult uh, 30 odd days the 30 days in May 30 days has September April June and November 31 31 days of May um, that extra day was that, just that, it made it yeah. a little bit crueler as well didn't it Terry that that that, that 31st day was yeah <laughs> It's actually my worst day on the punt in uh, in about eight years. Um, what uh, what was I talking about? I've completely lost my train of thought. Maddie Derrick. Yeah. So Maddie Derrick was the one shining light in a punting sense for me. I haven't uh, I haven't done my end of monthly data, but I basically analysed jockeys, trainers, etc. I reckon Maddie. I reckon I would have gone plus five hundred percent on Maddie. Probably neg a million percent on everybody else. But um, they're just the winners that I remember, and they're probably in my mind because they're my only winners in May. But Hay and Lad in a small field, she sat deep the trip. I was with you actually yep. at, the, at the Fenway, and I, I, I think during the run, I said, "Oh, not not the ride I would have gone for, Maddie." But um, good thought process. <laughs> you never, that, you that never was... lost faith in Maddie, uh, Derek. <laughs> No, I didn't lose faith. Uh, <laughs> not for one Sorry. moment. No, not for one moment. No, I didn't. Uh, and the horse just sat deep the trip and um, and got over the top of uh, was it Concrete Madame? I was it dollar sixty? So, yeah. It won like, yeah, won like sigil, didn't it? It certainly did win like sigil. Um, and then there was false statement, which was four and five deep the trip, no cover, but not just on pace, but back in the field and kept coming. Uh, I do think that's a very good horse. And then there's Santiago Girl. Um, last week it was tens out to twenty odds in betting, a totally unwanted, and um, she sat out three deep the trip. Uh, was headed by prim and proper, yep. and um, yep. just kept coming, and she got the job done. So, and not- look, if you're going to get caught deep, um, if you've got a horse from an awkward gate, I wouldn't. I would probably steer clear of Maddie from an inside gate. I was getting tucked away. Her, her strength is just letting horses roll out wide, and they just love her sitting on top of them at the moment, BJ. Not to mention. Um- so many jockeys have tried and failed, but 
Flower of Scotland is absolutely flying mm. for Maddie. It's um, that horse's two wins back from a back from a break are uh, like have been just absolutely dominant at Pinjarra. I think connections might. Uh, I think connections might um, know as well because she was uh, about twelve or thirteen into five fifty first up, and then about five fifty into three bucks and hard, hard on the exchange last start. So I reckon we might be seeing Flower of Scotland um, on a Saturday shortly. How far? Are Away are we from what's the rules with apprentices being allowed to um, ride on a Saturday? Yeah, How far are we I'm from Maddie? Sure. Is it is it oh, is it wins or rides or because I know that um, it took Bo a while. They wanted Bo to ride Ice Maker last campaign, but she wasn't allowed to because of that ruling. But I'm not exactly sure on what it is, whether it's a number of wins or stuff. Must be winners. Yeah, okay. Must be winners. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, not yeah. entirely certain, but um, good to looking forward to seeing Maddie on a on a Saturday. My my new cult hero <laughs> in a in a in a month where I didn't have too many heroes. VJ, she's uh, she's a, a standout for me. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. A couple of promising young riders uh, coming through the ranks, which we'll no doubt be watching on with interest as their career develops. So um, we're recording at the moment. It's 10 past 12 on Thursday, the 4th of June. From a racing calendar point of view, we've got a Geraldton meeting on Friday. That's a Carnarvon at Geraldton on Friday. Raconteur Stakes Day at Belmont this Saturday, which we're about to uh, to do the deep dive on in our preview uh and we've also got Kalgoorlie this sunday where um looks like the field sizes have started to pick up terry which is which is a good sign for everyone in the gold fields uh there was a week off and i think that was a uh it was quite necessary to give a few of them a break and now they can all regroup and uh and come back we've got uh one in the maiden there actually with peter fernie escalating on um on, on Sunday as well, Mitchell Pavement on board. I just wins. Keeps getting, keeps getting. No, I don't think so. Keeps getting backed heavily into favoritism, and I'm not really sure where that money's coming from because it's, uh, it certainly isn't ours. So um, no, I, I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be tipping that with any confidence or with any real faith, unfortunately. BJ. And, and the Italian job almost got there for for you on Monday, Terry. Just nailed late. Yeah, it was nailed late by the the Yule combination, which. Uh, Probably nailing everybody late at the moment, yep. uh, old Kira Hill. But um, yeah, no, it was a good run. I think uh, I think it'll be a better jo- a better horse with a uh, with a sit as well. So it's just we've been choiceless at his last two runs with the big weights and wide gates, just forced to to roll to the top or basically sit deep. So pretty tough effort, I thought, at his first goal at the fourteen hundred with the with the big weight to do all the work and just get nailed late. So um, yeah, hoping he can progress into a uh, a Saturday horse, hopefully in the next uh, twelve to eighteen months. BJ. Good stuff. All right. Before we move any further, we have to uh, thank our fantastic sponsors here at the 1-1. They are the Mundaring Hotel and Market City Meets. The Mundaring Hotel has been the heart of the hills since 1899, located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. As of this Saturday, so good news for for everyone up at the Mundaring. As of this Saturday, they will be allowed to have 100 people inside the venue and if weather permits, uh, a further 200 outside um in the uh, in the beer garden, so um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a a lot more patrons through the door. Bookings remain essential if you want to enter enter for a uh, a feed or a frothy. So, and also don't forget they have their takeaway and delivery food and beverage options still running up there. So give the publican in Butchie O'Connor a call. Let him know you're a one one listener and drop in and, and support the Mundaring. They've been through some really tough times uh, over the last couple of months. So hopefully they can get back on their feet feet sooner rather than later and then market city meets the largest retail butcher shop in perth 
located at the County Vale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt, he, him and his team run the show out there, drop in and say day. He'll take care of you, especially if you let him know that you uh, tune in to the 1-1 one, one, um, WA Racing podcast. So Market City Meets sponsor the very, very popular, Terry, very popular Get Out Stakes competition. We had- I'd say extremely a, popular. Extremely. We had uh, entries um, flooding in last weekend. So, um, but we have to- um, we have to make mention of our very first three-time Get Out Stakes winner, Sean Nichols. So this fellow, is, he's raising the bar to elite standards. Um, how does he do it? How does he do oh, it, our man? It's going to take, uh, I'd say it'll take a long time for somebody to uh, meet those standards, <laughs> BJ. We need to get him on for a quick segment. Uh, just mm. to um, talk, to, talk, talk us through, through his, his tactics. Yeah, 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 yeah. There must be uh, must be a lot of due diligence done by Sean. I'd suggest. Yeah, yeah. So um, at least at least we know if we ever do our uh, do our money on the punt, we can always hit up Sean for a feed, Terry, moving forward. <laughs> so um, so we, he's uh, he's really thrown down the gauntlet to Benny Armstrong and Novak Smith, who of course are our dual. Get out stakes winners. So let's see if the, mm. the boys can uh, can step up to the mark and um, and match uh, Sean Nichols in the uh, beef department. So um, we'll run through the get out stakes, the finer details of the get out stakes competition before we preview race nine, Belmont Rackens Tour Stakes Day this weekend. Finally, if you'd like to read our stuff, our previews online, Terry's can be found at the Betfair Hub, betfair.com.au. Check out his betting strategies and his uh, in-depth analysis and uh, my pre-markets preview, the leg up, uh, posted 7 a.m. this morning on the bestbets.com.au website and can also be viewed on the Ozrace website as well. 7 a.m. this morning. When did you do that last night? Last night. I never... I never really think about that. That's a that's a pretty early crow you've got to go, isn't it? Early crow, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of water to go under the bridge from a, a Wednesday night tip for a Saturday, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. it's a first glance, but uh, but mm. yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. We go up first, and uh, we'll see if we we do our best, as they say, Terry. So you do, and you've been finding a few winners lately as well. So uh, yeah, it's clearly uh, it's clearly working. Good stuff. Now. We've already we've already spoken about the Belmont Trench, but mm. um, so but what can uh, what can the punters look forward to from a uh, from a track pattern weather rail position point of view at Belmont this weekend, Terry? Oh, it's been fine all week, BJ. It's going to be twenty five with light easterlies on um, on Saturday. The rails at the eight meter pad for the first time. Uh, this uh, this season, um, we've seen a few little lanes occur here and there, but I think a lot of that's been because of the wet weather. Allow for a fair track, BJ. Let's not uh, let's not get anything else into our heads just yet. Let's not even uh, worry about any form of bias. But as we always say, um, adjust as the day uh, proceeds, but just allow for a fair track. Cool. All right. Um, that, I think we're just about ready to kick things off. Racking to a yeah. stakes day, Terry. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Race one, 11.53 a.m. It's welcome back to the races. Handicap, 2,200 metres, 78 plus with only six runners to face the starter, three of those hailing from the Justin Warwick camp. Um, similar event two weeks ago, we had um, freeze them off, uh, taking care of business, um, really drawing away late to dispose of Utgard Loki, who, who, looked at, who was the favourite. Uh, on that particular occasion, looked to have his chance. Um, from my point of view, I, I don't know how 
Utgard Loki can um, can can turn the tables. I'm pretty I'm pretty keen to freeze him off. Is going to get the job done again. What are your thoughts on this one, Terry? Yeah, I thoroughly uh, 100% agree with you there. Just the one thing I wanted to say, actually, before we started, uh, completely, there's a lot of short price favourites we're going to probably discuss in the next nine races. I've never seen a card which I think will be as dominated by um, the fancies. No, I really can't see a lot of races where there's even the potential for a blowout result, um, especially with the, the perfect racing conditions. A lot of this, and a lot of I think a lot of our discussion today needs to be what price is enough to hop into these runners. While while we, we definitely, we both really like freeze them off in the first. Yep. We don't want to be hopping into a $1.70 um, about, well, I don't know what you've priced freeze them off, but uh, we, we probably don't want to be hopping into the $1.70, but what is an acceptable price to hop into this horse? It's not just about finding the winners, but making sure we get the value for those winners, BJ. So um, I think that'll be an interesting discussion over the next hour or so. Yeah, well, well my punt price for, um, for freeze them off was... Uh I think I ended up around two thirty for me. I think it was okay. two thirty. Yeah. Uh, freeze them off two sixty. Utgard Loki. What did you? What did you yeah. end up? Uh, dollar. Mine. I just mark markets to hundred percent. Dollar eighty eight. Freeze them off three forty. Utgard Loki. I feel freeze them off first of all is probably more progressive um, than Utgard Loki. In the fact that Utgard Loki had potentially peaking on a campaign, while freeze them off still might be on the way up or. Well, probably pretty close to the peak now. That might have been a peak performance last mm. campaign. But, I mean, the only danger you've got with Freeze off is how um, uh, is how well she's travelled down from um, from Geraldton. Obviously, there's always, always, always a risk that has to travel uh, the six or so hours, unless she's been based here in the fortnight uh, in between races, which I... I, I'm, I'm not aware of either way. But um, that that's always the doubt here. But, uh, look, Kyra just about lands... Just about land somewhere there to lead us back, maybe a, a, a spot further back. She won't be too concerned about that. She we could, she will be concerned about I'm a love man from Barrier One stopping on him on the bench. She doesn't want to get tucked away in a six horse yeah, field and yeah. uh, and Lucy Lucy gets off and going on it, go lucky. But nah, under under normal circumstances, it's it's pretty hard to see. Um, to see uh, Utgard Locky turning the tables on Freezem off here, BJ. Yeah, I just felt like. Woodgard for the run it had, and I know that was a pretty mm-hmm. genuine twenty two hundred meter race the other day, so um, it was entitled to probably be a, be a bit wary on the line. But I, I don't know whether Woodgard Loki really ran out that um, twenty two hundred meters uh, as well as I expected him to last last start. And Friesemoff really drew clear late. Like, that was a two length margin, um, and the sectional like just blew blew him off the park from a sectional time point of view um mm-hmm. late so if if Friesemoff does no work early and and even like its closing speed in the when it was third in the eurythmic stakes behind Utgard Loki two starts ago was was you know was the best of the race as well like superior than a horse like mystery miss on that occasion so you know in this small field um Kiri Yule smoking the pipe back there on Friesemoff just going to get last crack at him again isn't she yeah, should be. Mm. I mean, I think the the one thing that might work uh, towards Utgard Loki, if they try and lead yeah. and um, try yeah. and hold I'm a love man out in the breeze, which they may well do, but in saying that, Kira will then be in the line that uh, Utgard Loki's in, could even have its back. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure how – I don't think she'll be overly aggressive from one. She'll she'll want to save the horse up for its uh, for its finishing burst. But, um, yeah, look, all things being equal, Friesemoff should be winning. But in saying that, while I have marked Friesemoff $1.88 and there's some low $2 around, mm. it's not the type of 
race I really want to get too stuck into, to no. be honest. Just with the travelling down from Geraldton Theory, small little staying race, just feels ugly. It's not you don't. This isn't how you need to start your day by getting a two pot <laughs> beaten that's coming down from Gerald, to be honest with you. So um, we'll look at. There's probably about five or six throughout the day who I want to look at bulking. Um, in a sort of four, five, five, five fold and a six leg multi. And this will be one of those uh, five or six runners. So um, that's how we'll look to play it, I'd suggest. All right. So, yeah, um, as Terry mentioned, it was all about price uh, on the podcast today. So, um, yeah, it frees them off, just appears a little bit of unders at this stage of proceedings. But we'll see how that market evolves um, moving forward. It's only early days. So race two is the Tab Touch West Speed Platinum Maiden. Uh, not huge fans of maidens on Saturdays, as everyone on uh, all our listeners would be very much aware. But I am a fan of a horse by the name of Mr. Delegator, and he makes his return to racing in this race on Saturday. Terry, he looks the one to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he looks comfortably the one to beat here. I'm, I'm with you in the not enjoying the maidens on a Saturday, but uh, this does look a, a pretty interesting maiden in all fairness and one which uh, I don't mind being on this Saturday card. Um, but yeah, Mr. Delegator looks very smart, doesn't he? Um, ever since he stepped out in the, on the racetrack, his first trial was uh, was pretty big behind Beret when, when he smashed the line. He then stepped top out. Top notch, top notch trialer. Was it? Delegator, that yeah. was a top notch, was it? Mm. Oh, that was a, uh, a TNT. Mm. It, was, it was dynamite, you could say. <laughs> Um, he then uh, came out and when Caragini Aurora in a trial uh, loomed alongside, um, Troy pulled the stick and he gave a really nice kick um, and went to the line like a really nice horse. Obviously, Caragini Aurora made that form look pretty sharp in the coming months. Um, he then, I was pretty keen, I think, I don't know if you were, mm. oh, you might have been giant leap that day. Yes. I have a vague recollection and um, we were both a little bit disappointed to see our runners who ran second and third, Del- Mr. Delegator and, and Giant uh, Giant Leap run uh, run second and third to a horse at uh, about 30, 40 to one by the name of Cliffs of Comfort. We thought, oh, that can't be. Maybe that's not the greatest of form if uh, if we can't run down this 30 or 40 dollar pop. And then uh, Cliffs of Comfort comes out uh, at his next start and knocks off... Um, Laverod, uh, who did have a, a few more kilos. I never knocked him off pretty comfortably, yep. too, before coming out at its next start and knocking off Riverbo, who uh, yeah, who also um, had some fair form lines around him. So I no longer feel too badly about that second to uh, to Cliffs of Comfort, and BJ. Caragini Aurora actually ran fourth in that race as well. So. Car- yes, yes, Caragini yeah. Aurora ran fourth, and then Caragini Aurora came out and won her next three, three yep. uh, races as well. So the form, it's... Like it's crazy strong form for a maiden. Um, Tiana Robertson is as good as getting horses first up um, to go well fresh without a trial. We saw it recently with Fabagino. We saw it recently with Altani. We saw it recently with False, False Statement. statement. Yep, she's, um, she's a gun. All isn't went she? bang, bang, mm. bang. This could be. This should be. This could be just way too good for these. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely confident. It's my best of the day by a long way, BJ. Yep. Um, yeah, we talk about a price. You, you don't need much of a price here to get involved. I think the two dollars fifty or so is currently is. I think that's a real gift, to be honest. Uh, I've, I've marked, I've marked him a dollar ninety. I reckon I could have had him shorter than that. I mean, I, I look at it just on the surface and say, okay, well, I've marked Friesen off a dollar eighty eight. That's all because I had to fit the other horses yep. in the in this market. I had to find a spot for them all. Um, I really could have, and I potentially should have had Mister Delegator shorter than the dollar ninety. There is some. 
concerns me and Peter Nucky have had a tough relationship over the journey so as a as a punter and a jockey so there are some concerns in that sense but Jeezy just about go straight to the top here yeah. um, and even if there is some pressure and a horse like Seminole Brave or Rubicino who's gone forward in both race starts um, even if there is some pressure you can hand up and probably just take a sit and yeah, should be too good. Should just be the best horse in this race. Looks mapped, has gate speed, etc., uh, etc. Et really keen, BJ. Let's let's get stuck in. Yeah, yeah. Two twenty on the the local operator at the moment, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Okay. Delegate. After opening two sixty, um, yeah, he looks for me. Just looks to have a, a you know significant class edge on these. Um, Maps to lead, if you know, and as as you said, if um, if they want to go silly and take him on, then he can uh, Pete can Pete Nucky can um, can uh, drop in for for a trial. Um, I see that that they went back on Vroom in a trial the other day, so I imagine they're going to be try, they're trying to blink off they're, too. They're trying to re-educate yep. him, and I imagine they won't be mm-hmm. being too positive. Um, tactically with Vroom, so yeah, as you mentioned, Seminole Brave and Ruby. Chino looked like the only others that would um, be interested in um, potentially finding the rail in front, but look set up for Mr. Delegator. Uh, has all just he just moves like a class horse, doesn't he? So um, I would expect him to be taking care of business uh, quite comfortably in race two on Saturday. One horse I do want to mention and I want to keep an eye on, uh, and is for me the biggest danger is the Kyra and Graham Yule combo, Kira. Shit. Kira and Graham Yule ah, combo. You've done it. Yeah, it's always luck. At least I corrected myself. <laughs> Silver linings. Uh, the Kira and Graham Yule combo uh, with um, I've forgotten its name now. Where where's this Ruby guy? Chino. Ruby Chino. So very interestingly, the three Graham Yule horses trialed against each other. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting. Victorious yeah. Chino, Fair Justice, and Ruby Chino trialed against each other. Whenever that was a couple of weeks ago, I can only presume that Kira rode the pick of those three. The other two came out. One of them won. Uh, well-backed uh, winner, which uh, our friend Brad McManus, uh, well done to Bradley, yeah. was declaring fair justice, got the job done. Victor Victorious Chino came second, second yeah. that day. I can only presume. I can only presume that the reason this one, um, Ruby Chino, has been held over for the Saturday is it's the and the fact that Kira rode it in the trial is that the stable feel it's the pick of those runners. So there's some fairly good form coming just from that sort of theorem. Um, and I think that um, that Ruby Chino is your um, your danger if uh, there is a chink in the armour of Mr. Delegator. The $13 that went up is actually above my price uh, for Ruby Chino. So it's probably a little save there for me. Um, but yeah, very confident Mr. Delegator, but a watch. Always want to be wary of a, a form yard and a, and a form jockey. Okay, yeah. Well, my watch is, um, for, the biggest danger for me is is a horse by the name of Western Rhythm having its first start in a race. Uh, nice, nice enough uh, trial win at Belmont on the twenty sixth of May. Just, um, just uh, stretches out like a horse with a bit of ability. Uh, got a decent pedigree as well. William Pike on board. Very short in the market though. Uh, that's a Pike yeah. price. It's t- hard to map a win on debut, isn't it? Yeah, from, from nine, Bar- from barrier nine. I mean, if Mister Delegator's out in top. 
Pikes and I reckon the only way you win is to work to the breeze or yep. even work to the outside of Rubicino who then who missed a delegator hands out. I don't know. Yep. It's hard for me to, to map a to map a win from nine, isn't it, on debut? Yeah, and I just think it's just under under the odds anyway. Um yep. current it's just a pike price at the moment, but does look mm-hmm. to have a horse with uh, a reasonable bright future. But yeah, again, just backtracking, Mr. Delegator. Both of us very keen yes. on Saturday. Me too. Very, very keen. Mr. Delegator. Best of the day by a long way. Okay. Race three, the gourmet takeaway plate. Two-year-old contest, twelve hundred meters. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm quite keen on one here, Terry. You want me to? Yeah, I do want you to lay it off. You're the you're the two-year-old uh, specialist, and I, I think I know which uh, which way you're going. And I am uh, interested to hear more. Okay, so yeah, I um I just went went over this race yesterday and, and again last night, and I just um just. Just kept, I just kept coming back to this reign of fire. Number five, Colin Webster, Jordan Turner having its first start in a race. Now, it just for me, it just stands out and looks almost too obvious from a, from what it's been showing me at trials. And, um, yeah, I'm really keen. I reckon it's um, I reckon it's going to win uh, on, on Saturday. Very keen on reign of fire. Now, had its first trial back in December and it matched motors with the horse a handy little horse by the name of Charlton Eddie Terry. You might have heard of him, and um, and then its follow-up trial, it went as well as and probably could have beaten uh, Dom to shoot had um, Troy Turner uh, slipped him an inch of rain. And then, but I was most impressed with his Belmont 26th of May trial. Jordan Turner, uh, the the pace really went on mid race, um, courtesy of a horse by the name of Madame Torio, has a little bit of race form and has. Um, has a bit of talent. Uh, the pace really injected into that trial, but Jordan Turner, this horse just crept up so sweetly into the trial underneath um, underneath the younger Turner, and he just uh, sort of let down like a, like a really smart horse to score a comfortable 1,000-metre heat win. From two, I think he can hold uh, a position somewhere in the first four or five in running, just needs just needs galloping room, and I reckon Rain of Fire will be winning this. There are There is a bit of bit of talent in this race and I do have a lot of time for um obviously Nobility who stretched uh the who stretched Dunbar Dunbar at um Pinjara the other day as well as fellow trial winning first starters Bragwell Private Number and uh how do you pronounce this Snickerdoodle Dandy those three all mm. look to have uh wins in them but uh I'm, I I'm hope zi- that I hope that one doesn't win. <laughs> I, don't, I just I, I'm not I'm not big on the name. I'm sorry, Snickerdoodle Dandy. I'm not going. Actually, there. it it definitely won't be winning because it's just been taken out. I just saw, so it's a scratching Snickerdoodle Dandy. But um, just recapping my thoughts, I think I think Rain of Fire is almost my best of the day, which is remarkable considering it's a first starter. It's a two-year-old first starter, but just been really taken with what I've seen from it at trials. Colin Webster had a two-year-old uh, winner in Dad's Big Headed at Belmont yesterday. Jordan Turner coming off a winning double courtesy of uh, Dad's Big Headed and Nerodio, which looks like a very, very smart horse in the making. Rain of Fire, very keen. Terry, what do you think? Uh, I think that I would have liked to known the bar shoes weren't on Nerodio before I loaded into another horse yesterday, first of all. <laughs> Still a bit dirty about that. Uh, BJ? Um, oh, sorry, before I go any further, my punt price for Rain of Fire was $3.50, opened up $6 on the local exchange. Yeah, morning. very good, very good. I like to hear some um, bullishness. There is This isn't a card where I... I probably won't be tipping anything over about the odds of three to one all day, I don't think. So um, I'm glad that there is something a little 
bit of value out there, BJ. Um, just a touch, just a smidge. I I like to uh, in a race like this where there isn't um, a huge amount of race form. I I don't get too deep into it. Did watch all the all the replays and Rain of Fire was a clear uh, on top of for me. Plenty of respect for Nobility as well, who um, who actually backed last start. I probably mentioned that last week too. Uh, against Dunbar first up, and obviously Dunbar's made that form look pretty good. But uh, yeah, I was pretty taken by the trials of Rain of Fire, and I think if you can shop somewhere near that $5 mark, it's uh, worth a little bet. So I'm going to follow you in there, BJ, and I'm I'm interested to see in the stewards' report if um, the reason Snickerdoodle Dandy was scratched is because of its name, because um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be disappointed if that was the case. So um, I'm following you in, BJ, Rain of Fire for me too. Good stuff, yeah. Rain of Fire, big watch on uh, Bragwell, first starter from the SJ Wolf Racing Camp as well. But yeah, this um, this uh, Colin Webster, Jordan Turner, Rain of Fire, get on, punters. Very good. All right, yeah. This is a sticky little uh, event we have here in the fourth, the Perth Racing at Home handicap over the thousand meters for the sixty-two plus uh, brigade. I think the first thing we need to mention is that Luke Fernie has thrown us a bit of a curveball in our maps and suggested he might yes. be looking to uh, take a hold on Zeeble, um, which is quite interesting because Zeeble, as we know, is one of the quicker horses uh, early in proceedings. So I presume the the map I've got, at least, BJ, is that um, Zeeble will still take the back of Mia Dolce, who is also a very quick, uh, who is a very quick little filly uh, in her own right. Um, she should be going forward. The rest mm. of the map looks interesting, and I'm now... I'm interested, I think if Zebra was in this race, I reckon we would have seen them take a hold of Boomtastic from Barrier 7, but now we might see Pike and Miller with the blinkers on. Uh, they weren't on in the trial, which was just a bit of a lacklustre trial, you could say, but um, we did see Boomtastic improve lengths when the uh, blinkers went on at her first preparation. So I'm expecting Boomtastic now to probably be aggressive and try to land on the outside of Mia Dolce. The thing is though, we've got Jevelation and Smart Princess who can both show some early speed. So there won't be a, um, a shortage of tempo in this race, BJ. And I just, I simply just can't get um, excited about anything here. I, I, I struggle to come at Mia Dolce off a break when Young horses that are up for so long um, and have such lengthy campaigns. I mean, we saw it with, I think, Specialism is probably one example. They struggle to come back all that well. Carrying the 59, I just, I'm struggling to come at me, Dolce. Prim and proper, we'll get the sit on them. Um, isn't impossible with the, with the, mm. with the camp. Bo, it's a sticky little ride for Bo. It's a, it's a tough ride for Bo, but Prim and proper is not impossible, but I, I struggle to come at a little sit and sprint ride for a relatively inexperienced apprentice. Uh, apprentice. That was bad speaking. Uh, downforce for Stephen Parnham. Um, probably ends up back last with the way the map looks. Uh, Zebra with a sit. We'll just have to watch and see how that goes. It's hard to... I mean, that's that's negating your major strength, I think, um, taking the sit there. But, but in I, wonder if that, he, I wonder if they'll even be able to sit him. That's going to be interesting. To well, see. it will be. Well, they, yeah. They'll go along at a good tempo, so it might be the race to find out. But um, yeah. look, you've got you to learn these things eventually, so if it doesn't work out, um, they can they can resume the, the normal tactics from now on. But uh, look, it'll be interesting to see how he goes but as a betting proposition not not for me here boomtastic works to the outside the leader um definitely thinks she can win but um yeah sitting outside the speed at three dollars fifty that's it's not for me especially with a map where if jevelation or smart princess kick up she could be caught deep or yeah it's it's a, it's a sticky one jevelation class wise uh, a worry smart princess a class wise a worry lavina will be all the rage but 1400 back to a thousand mm. off a 42 day break makes sense with the way the map looks but yeah, $2.60 or so, that's not for me. I, I just can't 
I can't get excited about any. Thinner, thinner on the corporates at the moment too, Terry. I'm looking at $2, $2.15, oh, $2.10. I'd suggest. I know there's a fairly big wrap yeah. around her and she was scratched as a $1.50 favourite from um, from Wednesday. But, geez, that's a bit thin for a horse. It's freshened up from 1400 back to 1000 But, um, yeah, look, the, the map does suggest it should be pretty hard to beat. But, no, nah, wouldn't be backing that with um, with your money, BJ. So I will be staying out. Maybe look at a price for a horse like Downforce late if we get 30 to 1 on Betfair um, in a race that's chock full of top-end speed and Stevie could whack this three-year-old colt out to last and um, it could just be a last-man-standing type job. But, uh, no, nah, I can't play here, BJ. Yeah, yeah, I was uh... – from a tipping point of view, in the leg up, I've got. I had. Um, I was pretty keen on Lavina, but um, did open three fifty on the local operator this morning, which was uh, quickly mm-hmm. um, crunched into two twenty five, back out to two sixty five. Um, but that, that those corporate prices around at the moment, moment are way too thin. I, I was more around the three dollar mark. What did What did you think, Lavina? Uh, I've, I've got her three thirty, but it wouldn't surprise me if she trades yep. sort of two twenty, two thirty. I I get the feeling there's a fair uh, spruik around her. And I, and I yeah, and one thing yeah. like with a lot of these markets and when trying to make your decision about when to bet in, it's also about looking where else will the money come. Like will Boomtastic start shorter? Yeah. Will Mia Dolce start shorter? Will Prim and Proper start shorter? I can't see any real serious money for any of those runners. So no, all the money I suspect no. will be um, for La Vina. But again, I, I'm really happy staying out at, at those type of numbers, um, BJ. I'll be looking for a, something late on Betfair might, might present for a horse like Downforce potentially. Yeah, so so yeah, Lavina's current price is is a bit of a no go zone for me at the moment, which is fair enough. And uh, the the way that the market is set up currently, the the horse that really catches my eye, and I'm happy to have a look to see whether she um she comes back or not. But at the price, I think it's it's uh, willing. I'm willing to have a, a spec on mm-hmm. Mia Dolce if she if she turns up anywhere near her best, she can jump, run, and give a kick and take some beatings. She, she's a good filly. She's fifteen to one. Yeah. Hang on, B. Hang on, hang on, B. I'm just having a moment here. So I've marked me a Dolce seven dollars. I think I've just skipped over that somehow. So I'm now changing my answer and I'm just <laughs> jumping on. I'm jump. Well, I actually had no idea that she went up that price. I don't know what did she go up a lot shorter than that. Yeah, she locally five fifty. Ah, uh, that's so. I've just monitored that, and that's mm. and I've just given up after that. Right. Oh well, leave me to it. You keep talking for a bit. I'm going to try and get on Mia Dolce over there, BJ. Yeah, go for it, Terry. Like, yeah. So <laughs> I just think she she leads Jay McNaught on board. Uh, her peak performances could would see her win this. Um, last, hasn't been seen since Super Brave fourth in the uh, Magic Three Eyed Magic Moons race at Pinjarra. Um, that was behind Cryptic Wonder. Um, Tommy Blue and Money Matters. I'm pretty sure is that. I, th- I think that was the the yep. trifecta in that race. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken there, but that form's good. Beaten the lip by We Got Dreams um, three starts ago. Prior to that, ran second to Drink What You Like. Um, just a just a really tough, fast filly. If she if she's anywhere near right, gee, she's going to take some catching railing in front, especially with, with them looking to hand up on Zebul. So, looks um, she carries weight. She, um, yeah, she's fresh. Uh, yeah, I think she's over the odds for sure. Yeah, she certainly is. As I said, I marked her seven dollars. I just I was eight dollars. Yeah, I just didn't discuss her because I thought she was six dollars as uh, as Brad went up this morning. But uh, yep. no, if she's if she can shop around that fifteen dollar mark, while I'm. Definitely not jumping out of my skin to be on. That's well above my mark price. It's so, value, um, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, um, it is a very 
tricky little 1,000-metre three-year-old contest. So we'll wait and see how it plays out. But um, Lavina, I think we both think she should win, but under the odds and um, so sort of playing around here looking for some value there with Mia Dolce. And Terry did mention downforce potentially as well. Big price late on Betfair. Yeah, Big price late. I think we can have something uh, small on. With me, Dolce as well. If, if you are um, looking at a map perspective, there could be a few uh, few of our famous roadblocks, BJ. With uh, say, Let's say Zewa doesn't handle the sit and uh, is an easy horse to shake off potentially. Jevelation, uh, boomtastic. As I said, the trial was only lackluster. If she doesn't, I mean, I actually didn't mind one midweek called Tremika, who also trialed pretty uh, lackluster for the Miller Pike combo without the blinkers. They went on and. She went even worse um, midweek, so um, there's no reason that the, the blinkers will sharpen up Boomtastic. So Mia Dolce could give a kick on those, and that means Lavina and Prima Proper and Downforce will be back last. We'll have a, a fair bit of chasing to do over the short course. So um, no, I, I like your uh, I like your train of thought. I'm glad you pointed out that price. I've just got to hope that I can get on somehow now, BJ, which is <laughs> easy, easier said than done. <laughs> All right. So in fact, it's impossible just about. Moving on. Moving on. This is uh, this is something that uh, we've been uh, really, really excited about. Um, the Raconteur, the feature Raconteur Stakes, listed three-year-old, fourteen hundred meters. Now, when the noms came out, it looked like being an absolute belter of a race. Mm. Um, very, very disappointing to see uh, some of the horses um, scratch, i.e. Resort Man and Massimo, and uh, take their chances against the older horses in ratings races. Um, yep. uh, so Windstorm too. So there's issues here. Mm-hmm. From a handicapping point of view, I guess the some of the people would be uh, very scared about a potential ratings hike if they happen mm-hmm. to, to knock off Horses like KC and Laver Rod in the um, under these set weights and penalties conditions. So this is fifty nine thousand to the winner, and if you're West Speed, it's plus West Speed. Um, so, uh, but if you take your chances in a ratings race, for example, it's thirty three thousand to the winner. So, yeah, there's there's handicapping problems here because effectively the scale and KC being in the race has has, has um, basically scared a few off yeah thwarted what yeah. looked to be an absolute cracking contest so well that's what um, Michael Lane said with Resort Man didn't he he was pretty keen to, to head that way but uh, he was just too concerned about how many points um, she'd get if she was successful and she yeah and you don't blame them may have been successful. 100%, 100% you don't blame them so I, I, I actually was going to bring this up myself so I'm glad you have so I think something needs to be done to ensure that our, uh, our best three year olds are racing and, and not scared about grabbing a 15 point or a, a four sort of a basically a four um, um, 15 points be the equivalent of about four wins, 16 points about four wins for a race that's only worth a touch over. Um, standard stake. One standard victory anyway, you know. It's probably about one and a half sort of standard stakes. So, yeah, something needs to be looked at there because it's robbing us of a, a classic, I reckon. Yeah, and it's going to be – and it's got, the problem's only going to get exacerbated as well. Like, don't forget we've lost – three or four or five of our best three-year-olds, better three-year-olds to Hong Kong already this season. So, um, you know, and I think the problem comes back to prize money. If the Rack and Tour Stakes was a $200,000 race or $250,000 race, um, then there's the, the carrot's there. Oh, yeah, we'll cop our ratings whack of, of X or whatever, but, um, you know, the, we've got we, – we're getting rewarded um, in kind from a prize money point of view. So something needs to be looked at there from from an industry 
viewpoint. These, when we've spoken about at length, like the Roma Cup and Belmont Sprint, absolute cracking races. Are, are, you know, like they should be worth double what what those yeah. uh, what those what those top quality horses um, competed for recently. It's a uh, it's a real issue. And while the stakes remain uh, where they are from a feature race point of view, um, trainers and owners and and are always going to um, be mindful of uh, and sensitive to weight and ratings points and um they're gonna they're gonna like retreat um which we've seen um in the rack and tour stakes and now we've only got seven horses facing the field and i mean like look everyone is excited to see what uh kc and laver rod do battle uh looks like absolute um sensational match race in a way and there's some talent wrapped around them too um uh who have top billing obviously but um but yeah it would have been fantastic to see uh, a, a more complete uh, well-rounded field as and it's going to be interesting to see how that flows on to the belmont guineas in two weeks time but that said who wins terry yeah well as i guess we're going to look at the silver linings that's really the um that's really my uh, my motto for the podcast today, <laughs> BJ. Silver, 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 bloody linings. Um, we have well, a- May's May's finished now. So yeah, well, silver linings for June. We need so that's another silver lining. May's finished. We need to look at the fact we have two cracking match races. Um, yes, or what should be match races for the day, and this is the first of them. Uh, the speed maps probably the first aspect we need to um, attack here, BJ. I, I've got Caragini Aurora probably looking, uh, even though. Even though she's fresh um, at the 1,400 metres, I think they'll probably look to go forward with her from barrier two. Uh, I suspect I suspect that we'll see Platinum Bullet, some more aggression from Platinum Bullet. And even um, if, I was, if I was in charge tactically of Paris and George, the big fella, I'd be saying, let's go forward and try and lead an event. I don't think there's a huge amount of tempo. We, we talk about this, Blake, and I'm really disappointed he's going around here because, as I said, I think he would have been very hard to beat in any normal sort of ratings race. Are you disappointed Paul Harvey's not on board too? Yeah, very. Um, I uh, <laughs> I actually slightly am. He would have suited the way I probably wanted this horse. Really. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, look, I, I don't think Paris and George can, can knock off the top two. But I, if, if I was making the decision tactically here, I'd be saying let's go forward. I think he's a horse that needs to go through his gears. I re- I'd say go forward and roll him along at, at a reasonable tempo too so he doesn't have to yeah. go around horses, doesn't have to work through his gears. He's already doing so. Yeah, he's, he's deep into his prep. Well, relatively deep into yeah, his prep. Yeah, he's deep yep. into his prep. He, he's fit. He, and, and then you can also, learn something mm-hmm. um, about him from there as well. I, I doubt he's going to be able to go back to last and, and then he'll be sprinting alongside KC. I, I doubt that he'll be out sprinting um, a very sharp filly, uh, especially under these uh, weight conditions. I mean, KC's a 102 rater. Paris and George is a 69 rater. So there's 33 points between them, which is 16 and a half kilos, and there's only two kilos between them. That probably is a little bit unfair because yeah. of what KC got for um, those couple of victories. That, Well, one victory in particular in the uh, in, in the Kingston town. Yeah, remembering she got beat against her own age in the champion fillies and the WA Guineas. So yes, that 102 yes. is a bit, you know. Yes, well, she got, uh, if they're saying she got 37 points. That's that's a bit stiff. Gee whiz. That's, yeah, she got 37 points for that, BJ. That's a fair old impasse, isn't it? Mm. Bloody hell. Um, but, yeah, from a map uh, point of view, if if they don't go forward, let's say that uh, the tactics on, on Platinum Bullet and Paris and George are both to be somewhat circumspect and we do see Caragini Aurora amble to the top, it probably means Laverod's left outside of Caragini Aurora. And if they wander out in front, I mean, that should be all over. Laverod will absolutely demolish them. Um, if one of those two do go forward and, and Laverod ends up on the back of the speed, they're the two options I 
research suggests. I still think Lave Rod will be too good. Um, I, I really think there is something to be said for horses uh, that are into a campaign. They're fit. Um, while Casey's had the two trials, I do think she might be... When the sprint goes on, let's say they don't go that hard here as, as you wouldn't think they would on paper. When the sprint goes on at the 600 or so, I think KC might be left a little bit flat-footed for a stride or two while Laverod will get into um, his work with a degree of fluency, and I think that'll be the difference. Uh, minimal doubt that uh, KC runs the, the quickest final splits, but I just think um, Laverod will be the truer racehorse here, BJ, and I am very confident that uh, he'll get the job done. Bernard. Yeah, I uh, I was I didn't even consider that front running tactics of Paris and George, which is no, uh, they, they might not, they might that just oh, could be it's, yeah, it didn't even cross my mind. So it's it's yeah. very interesting that you raised it. Um, uh, always always thinking outside the square, Guru, and uh, which is interesting in itself. I, I had Platinum Bullet leading Maricino outside leader, which would give which would which would allow Paddy Carberry to land one one. Uh, with Laver Rod. There's a million different maps here, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. KC won't be that far away from Laver Rod um, in uh, in this small field, and, and no doubt Stevie Parnham will be looking to ride tactically and, and potentially try to find the back of um, of uh, the Sean and Jake Casey-trained Laver Rod. But um, but I'm with you. I think this, this horse is... He's just um, he's really rising to the occasion. I think he's getting better with every start. He's um, he is he just devoured them. He was so powerful last start. Mm. I know, like he was was suited in run, um, ended up on the better part of the track, I suppose. But geez, he just made a mess of them late. It was arrogant that performance. Um, uh, got the tempo to suit as well. So this is this is going to be a bit different. But I was going back through his 10 starts. There's only one horse that has come from behind him and got past him. And that was in uh, – do you know what horse that was, Terry? Santa Brianna. In the, Santa Brianna. Uh, I was on that day. I was in the owner's yep. only section that day. I remember that. Uh, yep. And Massimo ran third or second? They second, ran, yeah. Massimo ran second. Yep. Ran third, yep. Yeah. So that was the Listia Classic, 400 minutes at Ascot. Now, he's a vastly superior horse, in my opinion, this time around. Uh, Sean, uh, the stable is doing great things with their horses. I uh, Just the way that Labor Rod has been letting down, lengthening, oozes class. Uh, I just think it's just going to have to – Casey's just going to have to be r- right near the top of her game to, to get past him late. Um, I wouldn't – like, she's had two trials. She's She's – She's a very, very good filly, obviously. Group one, wait for age winner. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether the um, she's going to be – I suspect she's going to need to be close to peaking or relatively close to peaking to be able to give Laver Rod a head start and knock him off mm-hmm. um, at 1,400 metres. At, at this stage, if she does, then fantastic, like fantastic. So, But for me, I've got Laver Rod with the map advantage, um, race fitness, hardened. He's become a real professional now. I think he's just – I think he's going to get the job done. Price. Uh, my, my market – yeah, my market was Laver Rod $2, KC two eighty. Mm, okay. Probably should have taken. I actually – Probably should have taken some of that $4 Casey yesterday. It's a little bit of a saver. It's not very exciting, but it's a race you can be pretty confident they're going to run two out. I was $1.85 Laverod and and, uh, Laverod, sorry, and $3.45 KC. BJ, and I can just uh, already see the scenes if Paris and George uh, knocks us off. I'll be a, Oregon will be a pretty disgruntled gentleman (laughs) if that's the case. (laughs) Shouldn't happen though. Yeah. Shouldn't happen. (laughs) 
It shouldn't have. These two look like they've got a bit of bit on the rest of them. And mm-hmm. I'm with you. I reckon. I do reckon Paris and George is is the clear third pick. Um, but yeah, so the scene is set for looks like what looks like to be a uh, like cracking little contest. This the rack and two stakes. But yep. the guru and myself are aligned here in our thoughts. We think that labor rod will get the job done. Yes, it's the third leg of uh, the five leg multi. So labor rod leg number three after Mister Delegator and frees him off in the first. How many legs are we looking at, Terry? Did you say five? Five. Oof. Five. Okay. All right. First leg of the quaddy, the late quaddy, the Amelia Park Handicap, race six, 1,200 metres, uh, rating 72-plus brigade. Yeah, this is um, this is, this is is a good race. I like this. A um, yeah. couple of my uh, my um, pin-up horses are in this race, uh, Locking Horns. There's obviously uh, Massimo and Fred Dagg. we got a uh, Sir Mambo coming out of a bruising encounter with showmanship um last start where he went enormous we got luke's gold who's almost he's a rising eight-year-old who's almost in career best form mr genoa three mr genoa uh on the on the coming back from sort of hasn't really had a lot of luck in 2020 but he's a he's a good horse on his day black ducati who they truck loaded and um and and uh uh last start ran third so yeah there's there's a bit to work with um here which um which way did you did you go here I I think the market's not too far off. It's not exactly spot on, but uh, oh, there's a million different ways this race can go. When I when I initially sat down to do this race, I thought right, we've we've found uh, it's going to be a day dominated by the shorts. Let's see if we can find uh, a little bit of value here, or um, at least mm. find a winner above two dollars thirty for the first time for the day. But uh, I don't know if I if I did, BJ. I just wanted to make comment about Black Ducati last start. I, I am definitely talking out of my pocket here as well. Um, have a look at the the mid, middle section of the race. Pinson's caught deep. There is no room whatsoever, but you can look at Whiting coming across. He basically tell, told Chris Parnham, I'm coming in here. And I think that cost Black Ducati a lot of momentum. Uh, I thought he was an unhappy horse. Um in the run uh, after that I um, uh, yeah she she sorry um, I I don't know how that didn't get a mention in the stewards report that he um, he shifted in them when there wasn't enough room I don't know how you could possibly um, possibly miss that I'm in a bit of a grumpy mood BJ and it's good to get some of it out here it's really <laughs> well, good well, my take on that race was she did that to herself bless you caddy yeah I tend to think I didn't tend to think she um, she got a bit too keen for Chrissy Parnham and he was struggling struggling to hold her and he sort of ended up in um, sort of getting up onto Pinson's heels. I could be I stand corrected, but that's that was yeah, my I'd, my I'd take go, on it. I'd watch it watch a replay because there wasn't uh, there wasn't a gap there, but um, I think Jason was very keen to get in and was shifting across shifting across, and I think Chris might have uh, just feared. That it may not have ended well if he didn't let um, if he didn't let Jason in, and I think that's why he took a hold, and that's when the horse mm. started racing. That's when she started racing a little bit fiercer. So um, we were still counting our money at the three hundred, the two hundred, when she just loomed up to him effortlessly and looked like she was going to um, wander on past them. But uh, it wasn't to be uh, once again, especially for us with the early price, BJ, when she was. About fours to about two thirty, but anyway, it wasn't to be. But um, look, back to the twelve hundred here. Lots of different elements in this race to dissect. The key one is which horse. I'm going to ask you the question: Which horse do you think is best suited? Um, we'll look at those two to begin with: Black Ducati and Massimo. Best suited coming back to the twelve hundred. Uh, good question. Good question. Um, I just think the 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 flying the ointment horse here, uh, from Massimo's point of view, is Excaro. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I, I think back to it's coming back from fourteen hundred where it was 
it was sort of ridden very aggressively in the uh, Sky Channel Provincial Final, um, went well above benchmark um, to the 400 and um, sort of was entitled to pop late like he did. But back to the 1200, no weight on board. Jay McNaught, gate one, I think it's going to roll along out in front, which puts Massimo outside leader again. Is, is that how you... Is that, was that your map? That's the most likely outcome. Mm. Uh, if you go back to Xcaro's previous few efforts uh, in Kalgoorlie, um, she hasn't actually been jumping all that mm. well. Even that run with Christy, it took her a while to muster into it. It was more the fact that everyone had Magnaforce leading and Magnaforce didn't get out the gates um, all that cleanly. So, look, you, you would suspect with the 53 um, on the back that she will be attempting to lead and will probably cross to lead. But I definitely think Pikey will be coming across with Massimo yeah. and, and be, yeah. be happy to, to jump in front of Excaro if possible and it wouldn't surprise me um, if he does that but look the most likely outcome for me would be that um, Black Ducati always can begin well and I think they'll be a little bit more aggressive here they'll let Massimo come across it's very likely Black Ducati grabs the back of Massimo here mm. um, I think Massimo might be going better than Black Ducati at the moment uh, as a horse I think he might be building into the campaign where Black Ducati may have peaked just a touch but from a map point of view geez if you're told if you told that Black Ducati's got the back of Massimo back to the 1200 um, I think Black Ducati's undefeated at 1300 and below um, just need to clarify that but I'm oh hang on went down once did go it was beaten uh, sorry it was beaten two starts ago by Double Bubble but that's when Black Ducati got Black Ducati got out of her ground well back on a leader bias track. So while that is a loss, I, I think the performance um, suggests it was probably above expectations where she was in the run. Look, I, I don't want to take either of those two prices. I think that's a cracking little event. Um, I, I think Fred Dare can make an impact ridden colder. But the question is, can you go back to last and catch Black Ducati and Massimo who are going to have the nice runs on speed? That's... That's a massive query. I think the current market's basically bang on, to be honest, BJ. Really big watch on Mr. Genoa. I'm um, mm. really glad that Kira's picked up that ride. Good little bit of management there, isn't it, from D Crips to get Kira that ride. And good uh, good faith from Luke Fernie as well because, uh, um, gee, she's the hoop you want on your horses at the moment. I think Mr. Genoa, people are going to see um, – that big loss last uh, last campaign, her final uh, her final race before a spell, but she I don't think he was a super happy horse then. And before then, was arguably a good thing beaten um, in a race that involved um, free trade when uh, he missed the kick. My worry is that he's missed a couple of kicks in a row now, yeah. and he might he might make a bit of a he might make a bit of a um, habit of that BJ, which worries me, but uh, definitely as a point of difference would not be surprised to see Mr. Genoa knock them all out here. And I have to mention Sir Mambo. Yeah. Thought that was a better run than showmanship, to be honest, BJ. Last Huge. time out, I reckon Sir Mambo's going to make it in this type of grade. That was 60 kilos, sitting wide for most of the trip, with it, and that was 60 kilos after Christy Bennett's claim. So, Tell me, why uh, isn't Jade McNaught riding Sir Mambo? Uh, I, I, I can't really tell you that to be honest i think martin it's martin is a big fan of um well as most trainers would be when they're a lot of his horses when he, he chucks them in night voyage is one that he often puts in with the big weights and mm. tra- takes a couple of kilos off with jade or um kate witten back in the day rode night witten quite a bit uh night voyage quite a bit i think maybe with the 57 and a half he's going well, hang on this is my first opportunity for a while 
to put a senior on this horse and um, maybe it's just uh, maybe learning how the um, how he responds with a senior on as well. So I, I don't actually mind it too much yeah. in, in all fairness. But uh, but there's, there's no reason Sir Mambo can't um, rise to this challenge. The problem is speed map-wise, every chance he camps deep from the, yeah. um, fr- from the gate and, and that's going to be a concern. But cracking race. If he does camp deep and lead up a strong three-wide line, that's going to be in Fred Dagg's favour yep. as well, BJ. But look, I think the winner comes from those four. Luke's Gold's the one I'm happy putting a line through back to the 1,200. That can't be <laughs> that can't be suitable on the slightest, but gee whiz, I've put a line through him a couple of times and that's uh, come back to bite me on the buttocks, BJ. Um, yeah, dude, that, that, that last win was something else. Like, yeah. I mean... Oh, just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. He even took off early. Chris Nichols even gone a bit early. He could have waited because I think he had yep. the back of Black Ducati, but he's instead gone early and taken off. He, back he would and have around, yeah. If, if yep. he waited and just took the back of Black Ducati, he wins that even easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, mean, I tell you, I thought Kendall's my dad last week. The way it loomed on the band, I thought, hang on, this is uh, this is absolutely flying. Then it took about two strides in the straight, and yeah, it was trying to get a lift back to Albany as soon as possible. <laughs> I think um, it was. Yeah. Look, BJ, I think I think one of the four winners. I've, I've marked the race out of interest. Three seventy Massimo, four bucks Black Ducati, five thirty Fred Dag, and I've got Sir Mambo nine bucks. A lot of that's gate. Mister Genoa fourteen could have had Mister Genoa a touch shorter. In, yep. a different, uh, in a different world, but uh, a bit concerned about the kick. The market's pretty close to that. I'm, um, yeah, I'm going to stay out at this point in time, BJ. Cracking little race, though. Yeah, I was $4 the field as well. Uh, well. You were a bit shorter, but I was Massimo and uh, Black Ducati, both the same at $4. Um, so, yeah, I uh, Massimo, uh, was, I've spoken about him at length over the journey. He, um, he landed outside leader on a day that uh, I think Charlton Eddy was the only horse to win from outside leader and Resort Man was the only horse to win that led that particular day. He landed outside leader, um, hit the front, was, was exposed out in front, gave a good kick, uh, looked home for a stride or two and then Luke Skull just swooped uh, in the better going, I would say, in the better part of the straight anyway. Mm-hmm. So he was brave um, in his uh, in his performance. Back to the 12, rarely runs a bad race. He's going to look the winner at some stage, Massimo. I'm just thinking if he if – he, if like Terry says may happen, if – they grab hold of Excaro and Massimo Rails in front. That could be race over almost. I don't think I don't think they'll take a hold of Excaro. I just think yep. um, it hasn't jumped all that well. It hasn't okay. begun as fluently right. as they would have liked at a few starts. They'll definitely be looking to lead. Looking to lead. Say. Okay. Yep. So I just think if he lands outside leader again, just makes him that little bit uh, vulnerable. Um, but uh, and there's a heap of chances. Let's let's be honest. As Terry covered, there's a heap of chances in this race. Even a horse like um, Mankind can win at his best, but he's mm. he's had a bit of an interrupted prep so far. But for me, I'm coming back to Fred Dag. Uh, flagged him as a horse to follow after his last start, thousand meter performance. Paul Harvey jumped on board, and um, he just jumped began too well and effectively was ridden outside leader, punching the breeze, um, ridden upside down rather, punching the breeze outside leader and um, fought on bravely uh, behind speeding Comet. Uh, Back to Belmont, uh, regular rider Jason Whiting back on board, patient steer. If there's a three wide forming, he's just going to get sucked into the race sweetly. Did run Red Cam Man um, to a half length. 1200 meter race at Ascot back in March. That that rating was that peak rating was significant. It shows that he can accelerate off a hot hot speed as and as well as a slow speed. So he's a pretty versatile horse. Fred Dag enjoys racing at at Belmont. Uh, I think he's just, I think he could be the horse that gets the last.
last crack at him. He's got the closing speed to get the job done. Me and Fred teaming up. So I was uh, I was six fifty. Fred Dag. Finally, BJ yeah. and Fred Dag back together. Finally, been, yeah. been waiting for so long. Six fifty. <laughs> I thought you might have. I knew I knew you'd find Fred Dag here. I, I can definitely see why. Um, mm-hmm. As well, um, and yeah, six fifties. I think that's about the current quote. So uh, look, it's a race which I think will change complexion a little bit. And there might be a price that pops out to something backable on the exchange late. So I'd uh, I'd be monitoring and um, yeah, just hopping hopping into wherever the value is. I'm I'm really happy to play my market there and. Um, as I'm probably going to do in a in a race later on as well, I'm probably happy to back the drifter just about BJ and uh, then jump on Twitter and put a little hashtag they knew <laughs> on somewhere. <laughs> anyway, race um, seven. And, but Sorry. B- it would be remiss of us not to mention that one of our all-time favourites here at the 1-1, Sir Desmond Atwell mm. is coming to, to town. Uh, mm. A rare foray in the metropolitan area these days for Sir Des. But, the red carpet's out. Yeah, yeah, but good to see the great man uh, heading to Belmont um, up the Albany Highway to Belmont this weekend and uh, those red, yellow, red diamond uh, colours in action. Uh, Does Candlelight Star finish within 10 of them? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good over-unders yeah, market, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, I'll see if we can get one chucked up. Ten, they call it the, uh, yeah, the, the jewel with Desmond. <laughs> Something around the 10 and a half lengths mark. Anyway, let's move on. Race seven, the Belmont Crown. Perth handicap over the thousand metres. All eyes will be on the return. Uh, well, when I say return, it's only been off the scene for a couple of months, but uh, return of son of a god, BJ. Um, these three-year-olds are just extremely, extremely progressive. The, the good three-year-olds, I should say, when they come yep. into these sixty and sixty-six plus type events, and um, expecting him to be far too good here. Um, from a speed map point of view, I have crammed and kicking through and leading mm. we've got with we've got dreams obviously the um the lane and yule camp will be hoping that um crammed and misses it again which he has done once or twice yeah, he did that uh, last time for jade didn't yep, he yeah and he's also yep. pinged the lids a couple of times as well so they'll be hoping their best chance lies um in uh, in crammed and missing the kick and them being able to find the rail but otherwise i suspect they land outside of crammed and son of a god pending which son of a god turns up out of the barriers he will probably. I, I imagine Pike will look to come across under. We've got dreams and take the one-one yeah. from Barrios. I just think that looks a real obvious move. If we've got dreams, dove lead. He'll probably be happy landing outside of we've got dreams. If, if that's how the race um, eventuates, but some risk. There has to be some risk, and we have to mention that there's some risk on the fact that he hasn't got out the gates well, um, second or third up last campaign. He was he was good enough to get the job done, but um, like if a horse like we've got dreams or even Cramden with the 51 kilos, they're railing along out in front. He doesn't want to have some of these slow horses in between the two of them over yep. a thousand meters because i don't think he gets there um against a couple of sharp leaders so um your money will be won or lost out the gates here bj and uh yeah but pretty pretty keen that the progressive three-year-old gets the job done yeah me too man like i've jammed him in the one one as well and um the one one as well and um yeah the, the wizard will be very uh conscious of um Field position, especially with um, a light-weighted Cramden who could run a cheeky race, yeah, 51 kgs with BBE back on board, railing in front. Um, and, of course, um, you know, you can't really underestimate Michael Lane and Kiryu with anything at the moment. And We've Got Dreams is coming off a pretty sharp first up Ascot 1,000-meter win as well. So they'll, um, they're capable of, of running 
quickly enough to make things interesting for Son of a God. So as Terry mentioned, Pikey wouldn't want to get caught in the ruck, would he? Like um, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth looking for, for galloping room because um, mm. if he's held up for too long, this race will, will get away from him. But I think um, Son of a God just needs to step, land in that spot, uh, uh, sort of peeling into peeling and balancing up I think he's just big engine's going to kick in late, and he'll be he'll be too good. Price is um, yeah. Oh yeah. My you know how you said you got to be a little bit wary. That, that I was a bit that way as well with my pricing. Mm-hmm. I might have overdone it, but I was looking for around the two forty mark. Um, but um, he's well and truly under that at the moment. Dollar eighty five, dollar ninety. Two dollars locally, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. so he's going to be well found. So. Yeah, I'll just might just wait and see what happens on the day um, from a maybe Betfair Exchange point of view. Uh, but I think he should win. Um, the, uh, the one thing I will add is that um, it's great to see that uh, he stayed in Western Australia. I know he was the mm. subject of of significant offers from Hong Kong, so it might have been another um, young talent. Uh, lost to to Southeast Asia, um, but it uh, looks like for whatever reason he's um, he's staying put in Western Australia, which is a good thing for us, and we get to see him back in action uh, this weekend. I just think he's got a, cl- a class edge on these, and he'll be too good for him. Yep, I'm uh, I'm with you there, VJ. Leg four of the multi. I've marked him. Um, I've marked him a dollar eighty again. Would have been a dollar sixty if I was really confident, or dollar fifty five. I was confident he'd step from the machines. Thing is, even if he doesn't step, he, he definitely can still win the race. But uh, yep. geez, you, you would not want to be on at sub uh, at sub three bucks if he doesn't step. But dollar uh, eighty five is my mark, and he's leg four of the multi at the dollar uh, ninety. I'm allowed to put him in because he's above the price. So when, when um, I was doing my uh, my leg up, I've got state attorney and. Want to be good as the hardest to beat, and then I was like, "But both, but both those tend to lack a knockout blow, which is true." So, mm-hmm. if you've got state attorney and want to be good as just about the um, the main dangers, then that sort of almost uh, almost confirms that this is just about a just about a moral son of a god. So, uh, um, the the danger is, I mean, this is the type of race where if he does miss the kick and end up back, nothing's going to out sprint him home. That's yeah. why I, I wouldn't even consider the likes of state attorney or, or want to be good or. Uh, whoever else is going to sit and sprint, but uh, if he's going to yep. get beaten, it's going to be a horse that's out in front over a thousand meters, and he simply just um, can't get there. So, um, yeah, pretty. Will you pretty, be having anything on Cramden? I've marked Cramden ten dollars flat, mm. so uh, probably probably not at this stage at the eleven to one. We'll see what the exchange does late. I don't know. I worry with a Dennis Cooper whether he can get this horse uh, performing as well as he did for its win a few starts back. I'm I'm not sure. We'll monitor the exchange, and if we get something. Um, uh, above that quote, I might look to save, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, overall, if there might not be too many investments on the card, BJ, as some of these shorties, I don't really want to get too involved in. So it might be a day of just lobbing them all together, as I said, in a big sort of five leg multi, and um, and seeing if we can go for something big. Cool. All right. Well, we've already seen a couple of match races, most notably KC versus Laverod earlier in the card, and we uh, move on to another one, another absolute cracking event here. Race eight, the Heineken three handicap over 1,400 metres, and we see um, showmanship and resort man, two of the most exciting young talents in West Australian racing. They're going to duke it out. 
opinions will be divided. Mm, they certainly will be. So which side of the aisle did you land on? Uh, I'll grab a coin and I'll flip it now for you, BJ. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit fancy here. Um, I think again. I think speed maps are, are integral. Um, when I first did this map, I wasn't sure if Resort Man um, would be able to find the top. But I mean, the one more one? I looked at it, yeah. Well, no, I, oh, I think sorry, Re- Resort Man. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Resort Man will um, will actually be able to find the top with some degree of ease. The three horses underneath um, underneath him that uh, that can all go quick on their day are Bruce Almighty from one, but um, I think they will look to uh, follow Resort Man. I think they'll understand the how valuable that could be sitting on the back of Resort Man and help them fall into a place if they do. Agree, agree. Um, yeah. you got Flying Roar in seven. I think Flying Roar is lacking the dash he once had, even in Jelton. Um, he wasn't really getting out the gates and getting there overly quickly, so I don't think there'll be any issue with crossing um, Flying Roar. And the main danger to the lead just mainly because of the stable change and how he led in his trial too back as Salamat um, a, a broom horse who came down ran some good races last prep did he nick one not sure if he nicked one last no, prep ran second a couple of times I think didn't nick one but um, I expect him to actually progress uh, um, under Tiana Robinson and, and maybe win a, a race that doesn't involve a couple of potential superstars in the making um, but if Salamat's under the Tiana Robertson tutelage, um, built a bit more, uh, able to, to get out the gates a little more fluently. He's he's potentially the horse that could hold the top, but no, I think if um, I think if there's enough aggression shown, I think uh, I think uh, Kira, you'll <laughs> I think Kira, you'll uh, I need one of those things where I get uh, I get buzzed every time I, I get ele- electric shock every time I say it wrong. Um, I think Kira, you should go straight to the top on Resort, man. From there, Showmanship, I don't think this is a horse that begins uh, all that poorly. I don't think we have to be too far back here. I think Showmanship, I think William Pike will be pretty keen not to let Resort Man get away. Um, could even end up in the 1-1, potentially on the back of... Salah Martin, the one-one could be on the back of Flying Roar if he works across. I'm, mm. I'm not. I'm not sure uh, which horse he'll end up on the back of there, but somewhere near there. The key will be the map. How 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 well does Kira rate um, Resort Man out in front? How well does um, how what what type of cart up does Pikey get with, with Showmanship into the race? I was while Showmanship was a really was a reasonable trial victory and a nice win last start. There was something more workmanlike about the performance and brilliant than we saw in the first campaign. Um, we were. I was on showmanship for a fair old whack first up, um, and when Pikey pulled the stick at about the two fifty, you don't see him pull the stick that early. The horse was lugging out in the straight, laying out in the straight. I don't know. He really had to grind the victory out. Um, I understand they went mad, and he was he was chasing a long way from home first up for a year. Um, there was a lot of lot of factors like that in play, but um, I don't know. It was more of a workmanlike victory than, uh, and so was his trial. He sort of he worked home in the trial rather than sort of glided over the turf. I, maybe I'm over um, analysing that. I, I'm not too sure, but um, I'm not I'm not sure if if Showman's come back. Uh, Showmanship has come back as good a horse um, as uh, as that first preparation, but. Look, oh, I always get sucked into the vortex. Pushed on a tip, I'd go with. Um, I would have showmanship. Just having the suck on resort, man. But uh, this this isn't going to make my multi BJ. This is a race <laughs> I actually, I actually just, I actually just want to watch a horse race, and um, it would take something pretty drastic on Betfair late. It's genuinely the type of race where I'm happy to back resort, man. If if resort man gets out the two eighty late on Betfair, I'll get involved. If showmanship gets out the two sixty late on Betfair, I'll get involved. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm pretty happy if neither of them get to those prices and I can just actually watch a race and uh, enjoy it. 
Okay, so yeah, I'm uh, 220 showmanship, 260 resort man. Um, I, uh, I I sort of know what you're saying about the the showmanship's last win. I think that was just a tempo race shape um, factor and. Um, what about when and, he came what, out to the middle of the track and then yeah. the, lug, the lugging bit's gone on as well? Uh, lugging bit and, and winkers. The winkers are on yeah. as well, yeah, just to yeah. but, but all, sharpen him up. He ran all the best splits. Yeah, he did, yep. Home yep. for the whole day. So the, while the it looked workmanlike, the, the the closing speed was there. Like it was it was quite exceptional um, what he did uh, on the day, um, rising to fourteen hundred. I'm with you. He this horse actually can begin. Uh, I'm expecting Pikey to um, slot him into the one one. He'll be keeping very close tabs on Kira and Resort Man Showmanship. I. I it, showmanship won't encounter that same searing tempo. What was the horse that was out in War Secrets? Um, got just absolutely went nuts out in front in that showmanship race the other day. That was and, a good run, good run from War Secrets actually to, to yeah, stick on. It's a, yeah. yeah, I think I think War Secrets might be one to follow in the coming weeks. But it it just was such a such a brutal uh, experience for him. First up, just cruised along. All of a sudden, the pace went into the race, and he was sort of chasing chasing the game from there but it won't be the case on Saturday he's going to be in a, Pike's going to be in a lot more control um, in that stalking position Resort Man is a very 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 good horse um, his his figures that he's running his two two wins back from a spell have just have been just about best of the day on both occasions he's um, he's strong he's got he's, he just oozes class um I've just got it in the back of my mind that showmanship's going to be able to zap him late. Uh, it's got, I think it's going to be a fantastic tussle. Uh, resort man certainly won't be laying down, and showmanship will need to pull out everything to to get to get it done. But I've just got this suspicion the that this showmanship could be could be could be something else, and he's just going to get last crack at resort man. I think the margin will be narrow, but I'm tipping the Pike Pike uh, Team Williams, Cerise and White to uh, to come out. On top, as they so often do. What price is the uh, Quinella going to go here? Do you reckon? If, if you got offered, <laughs> if you got, I, you don't think about that sometimes. You get a little surprise. Talking to Brad about it, you get you get a few surprise dividends with the exotics. I don't really play a huge amount of exotics, but um, if this one flashes up after the race at two dollars plus, you'd be just uh, you'd be saying, "Geez, how weren't we a part of that?" But um, yeah, no, cracking horse race, BJ. Even if you look across now, a few more agencies as we're um, as we're recording, a few more agencies are starting to go up with their prices, and even um, the agencies can't decide who should be favourite. You got uh, Sportsbet who have got uh, Showmanship a dollar seventy five. Then you got Tab Touch. Then you got Tab Touch who's got Showmanship two thirty five. Then you've got Bet three six five who's got Resort Man a two dollar oh five favourite. So it's um, yeah, all over the shop. It, Opinions are well and truly divided, aren't they? Wonderful to see. And we should also mention, um, I don't think uh, Giulio Santarelli uh, tweeted out some stats for jockeys for the month of May. I don't think Kira was all that far behind um, William Pike. So it's a great battle between the two form hoops of West Australia as well. Yeah, well, there was a couple of – wasn't that long ago where you said Kira is the mm. top five jockeys at the mo- – I think you get, we're going to have to re- revise that, aren't yeah, we? I was, like, getting, uh, I was getting a little bit of uh, – what are you, are you – are you serious? Are you, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty – I did say something similar about CJP a while ago, and he's probably battled since, but I'm glad that uh, <laughs> one of my spruiks has, not, has gone to another level since the spruik. You've, but, just, um, you've just anchored poor old CJP, Yeah, haven't I you? certainly have. But uh, no, Kira's – Clear number two at the moment. Um, not much, not many issues uh, with that comment. Clear number two. 
Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to this one. Mm. Um, it's going to be going to be a great uh, spectacle for the three hundred who are lucky enough to be on course to 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 watch this uh, these very serious thoroughbred racehorses in action. So, good luck to everyone involved, and uh, we we'll look to look forward to seeing how this one plays out. Mm-hmm. All right, Terry. What time is it? It's time for the Get Out Stakes, BJ. My, my favourite race on the card every single week, just to see if Sean Nichols can feed the family for the next seven days. So um, <laughs> you, you explain to the listeners exactly what's going on here, as I'm sure I'll get it wrong. But um, What you won't get wrong, though, is the spelling, though, Terry. Is that correct? Definitely not going to get that one wrong, BJ. You better explain it to the listeners. All righty. Yes. As as uh, as we've alluded to, it is get out stakes time, punters. So Market City meets get out stakes. Very very simple competition. This one. So if you would like to be in the running to win yourself a gourmet beef package from the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, jump onto Twitter, send us a tweet at the one one pod. Uh, please include who you think will win race nine at Belmont this Saturday, as well as a decimal winning margin, two decimal places preferred, and um, yeah, get your entries in, and uh, nearest the pin, whoever's closest to the official winning margin will, uh, yeah, they'll get their hands on some succulent beef from mm. Market City Meats at uh, located at the Canningvale Markets um, on Bannister Road. Nothing like a bit of succulent beef, is there, BJ? No, no. Um, and um, Sean Nichols, we're looking forward to seeing uh, a photo of of Sean Nichols just uh, really getting stuck into those Market City meat steaks uh, on Twitter sometime in the uh, on the next couple of days. I might so. just follow him. Might just follow him in in the last here. I think blindly, whatever he whatever yeah. he tips, it might just be the uh, push the chips in. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, is um is this the is this the fifth leg of your multi? Yeah, Terry? it is. It is. Uh, unfortunately, Oof. this this leg looks like it's been supported throughout the uh, throughout the um, the podcast, and it's now below my price. So I, I now have to make a decision of what are we going to do here. Maybe we look at a, a little SP bet later. I suspect um, I suspect she'll creep out a little bit in the market, but I am talking about Western. Pride, BJ. Um, again, mm. there's not many, not many prizes, not many prizes really for uh, tipping what I have for the the majority of the card thus far. But um, I, uh, I really, really like this mare. Um, I think she is potentially a better horse than a few of the more. Um, Probably, well, more spoken about Bob Peters' horses. I think she might be a better horse potentially to showmanship. Um, we'll, we'll find out in time. Anyway, we'll find out in time. Mm. No point going the early crow, but uh, all of her wins last campaign, uh, her debut campaign, they were really professional type wins. They were all, she can jump well, she can race in a nice spot, she races truly, and they were all really soft. I mean, the maiden class one and a grad, that, that's all she's won, but she's gone bang, bang, bang. She's beaten Akina Kuri in a maiden. She's beaten Arava, who... Probably didn't go on with it, but there was a lot of hype around. And then she's been coming around mm. um, in her grad. So she's been some nice horses on her way through. Um, and doesn't doesn't she look like she just does it? With ease. Effortlessly. Yeah, she did. Effortlessly. What sold me here, and the reason I uh, – initially I thought I'd, I'd probably mark her a touch longer, but her most mm. recent trial behind KC, um, Pikey had a hold the entire way. And you actually watch Steve Parnham after the line with KC. He rides her out for about another 100 metres. He keeps KC going. Obviously, they wanted they were looking at more of a 1,200-metre trial. So Steve kept yep. riding KC out. It's also a, a good sign of intent for the raconteur, and they're not just giving her a run and looking at the Belmont Guineas yep. in a fortnight's time. They're obviously very keen, the, the Parnham camp, to get a win there. Um, obviously, 
think you should go without saying anyway. But um, Pikey kept on going with Western Pride, just tugging in behind KC. For the, I don't know if you've seen it, for the 100 metres past the post. It's really good watching. He's basically just sitting there behind us saying, I reckon I got you if uh, <laughs> if I wanted to. So he didn't ask. The wizard just playing, I, just playing mind was, games I, at trials. I, 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 he was. I really believe he was. It was. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching it. So uh, it's probably worth having a, having a little view. But um, look, this isn't the type of horse in saying that. Um, I think she's way better than these, which I'm sure everyone will agree on. But um, she was she was slowly away at her most recent trial. You don't want to be first up for a year in a 16-horse field. We don't want to be taking a flat even money um, about a horse that if she dawdles out, ends up back in 10th or 11th or 12th in a ruck, absolute ruck mm. of horses, especially with a horse like Zephyr Queen um, parking outside of... Um, I'm icy, I'm icy, I would suspect. Mm-hmm. And, and Zephyr Queen was huge, albeit only a midweek grade last start. But this isn't necessarily the world's biggest step up in grade from that. Um, it's definitely harder, but um, Zephyr Queen is a real Belmont horse. She can hold form when she finds it. And um, I, I think um, I think Pike will be, will be wary um, aboard, aboard Western Pride, BJ. But um, yeah, pretty confident that if, if uh, she steps and uh, she isn't too far from them on straightening, that she could uh, wallop this lot, BJ. You did say that she's crept under your price. Yeah. What was your price? 235. And I thought I was that... 240, I was 245. Mm, okay. and I, Western Pride. I even thought that was a, a tickle thin. So um, yeah, I had to write my, my preview quite early. So I have wrote it this morning and I have tipped her, but now I'm, I'm questioning whether I uh, would... I, I'm hoping and suspecting we might see a slightly better price later. I reckon we will see, we'll see some Zephyr Queen support. I think people yeah. will be aware yeah. that there's a big possibility that um, as good as Western Pride might be, she just she might need the run and um, she might be chasing a horse that's got a pretty good head start on her. But um, I just did quickly want to mention one runner uh, who is just had no luck whatsoever. All campaign. I've got skin and tins mapped to grab the back of Zephyr Queen. Um, yeah. Last three runs from 15, 12, 12. Um, I think Skinner Tins are still flying. Uh, it's maybe not going to be her race. Expecting her to trade at 30, 40, 50 to 1 late on Betfair. And um, when that does occur, I will be having something on, not at the current price. Um, but yeah, she, she was uh, she was massive in the Sky Series final. She was, and, and the start huge. before that, she's gone to Jero and won with the with the sixty two. And the start before that, Skinnertins is a horse that needs cover. She sat outside of the leader um, when just grabbed late by She's a Light, and mm. uh, who else? Who else grabbed her that day? Went on to win another race. Sorry, it escapes me at the moment. And before that, she was held up the entirety of the straight when beaten three links King Blitz. So yep. I know she's been up for a long time. The Ashamali Yard hasn't had a huge amount of success in town recently, but I like the appointment of Mitchell Pateman on this horse as well. Um, if, if if she can grab the back of Zephyr Queen, she's your blowout at a um, at a pretty pretty big pricey BJ. But uh, yeah, I, I'm in the vortex. Last leg of the multi could be Maddie. Could be. Could be. Maddie's. Could be. Could be. Will will, will be. Saying it's the only horse over twenty to one I've ever mentioned all day long. But uh, yeah, no. In the I'm in the vortex. Western Pride, but we want better than the two ten, two twenty around. That's uh, that is too thin considering um, the race conditions, BJ. Yeah, uh, we've been tracking Western Pride for quite a while on the uh, on the podcast. Mm. She's been. Uh, whatever happened to she's been a uh, Tom Nutch trialer as well. Um, yeah, I love the way that she just sort of sort of just coasted along in Casey's slip slipstream um, in the uh, 26th of May trial recently. Uh, you could tell that she gave Pikey a really really good feel on that occasion, having a first start for Adam Durant. 
um, which is interesting. Uh, Bob Peters does spice things up every now and then uh, with these horses uh, when they finish their three-year-old careers with three-year-old seasons, rather, with um, Team Williams. He can often palm them off to Adam Durant. Uh, so that's um, going to be interesting to see how uh, how she goes in that um, under that new regime. But, um, but yeah, really taken with the trial latest trial performance uh in her races she has begun well enough um previously to i didn't like the way that she she um stepped um at a latest trial but in the past Fluffed it. yeah in in her races she has begun well enough so she she's um she's more than capable of holding a mid uh forward midfield mid forward running position from gate four um just looks looks to have a significant like a lot of these races these standout picks look to have real uh, clear and decisive class edge on their on their rivals, and this is no no exception. She uh, she's clearly the horse to beat. Two forty five me. Uh, I'll be playing at that price. Um, hardest to beat is um, yeah. I, I know exactly where you're going with Zephyr Queen. I just think she got um, a lot of favours the other day, and that was that was her. Her race, I don't know whether she's going to find the rail in front, but if she does, she's going to give a good kick. I actually feel as though True Tiara can measure up. Um, is coming from a maiden and a class one victory, but there's been something about those wins that really sign- signifies to me that the pennies dropped with this horse. L- led at speed and won at Pinjarra two back and then was ridden with a sit and crunched him late last start. So got tactical versatility, um, carried 59 kilos on that occasion, has won, a, has won on soft and um, good tracks from one jade on 53 and a half kgs. I reckon, I reckon she's, uh, she's a real live chance in this race. And um, there's two, two horses here that are both drawn wide, but at their best, they can, they can really uh, impact. That's um, Three Secrets first up and No Apology, who we've sort of been, been tracking a bit on the podcast. Uh, went good in a trial behind Windstorm and then went good first up behind showmanship the other day but um sticky draws both of them but all things being equal uh with reasonable uh galloping room in transit uh western pride just looks to have these covered doesn't she so yeah another uh another ifs. Um, ifs. winner for the uh cerise and white i think on the day yeah definite definite ifs though as i said i, I think that's madness at two dollars ten currently i think a few people we're pretty happy uh, shopping around, but uh, yeah, I, I really do like Western Pride, so I, I'm with you there. But um, yeah, one, one more horse I wanted mm. to ask you, and we, we have spoken about Maddie Derrick, mm-hmm. and we have spoken about this horse privately Athlone. in the past. Athlone Castle with, with Lucky on. Hey, how's the riding change? Maddie off Lacta, Lucky Lacta on. Oh, loses nothing. Loses nothing. Mm. Lucky Lacta. Yeah, no, I uh, Athlone, we've discussed how big those wins have been down in Albany. Um, yeah, crazy big. Yeah, crazy they, they big. have yeah. they have been crazy big. So um, yeah, good luck to. Uh, it's always nice to see a couple of travelling, especially horses that are flying coming up from Albany or down yeah. from Geraldton and whatnot. We've seen some success from Geraldton. Maybe it's Albany's turn to um, to have a little Saturday winner, BJ. Yeah, well, Sir Desmond in town. Mm. Morris Sheridan's bringing Athlone Castle the, uh, in, uh, to town as well. So it's all happening at Belmont on Saturday. It certainly is. It certainly is, BJ. Um, well, that brings us to the end of another Belmont race card. Not a huge amount of value 
uh, as as we said, but it is uh, it is about uh, deciphering what is actually value for these short prices and uh, hopping in accordingly. There's a lot of races, BJ, that I will be personally um, pretty happy just to sit back and watch as a little bit of a purist for the day. Um, <laughs> just a little bit, but just a little bit of a purist. I also like gambling a lot, so I will also <laughs> probably uh, end up uh, hopping in at prices I shouldn't do despite uh, Racing purist, gambling enthusiast. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do is the uh, is the key motto here. But it's our time yeah. for our best of the day. I've made mine clear. Mr. Delegator, race two, the maiden. Thank God there's a maiden yeah. in Saturday racing. I reckon there always should be. <laughs> Mr. Delegator. Is mine. Best, best betting proposition of the best day. Best betting Jerry? proposition. Best. Mr. Delegator, easily. What are you going for? Are we going for the two-year-old? Yeah, well, I, I mean, everything's pretty obvious, I think, yeah. for, for most. I, th- I think the, the, the two-year-old is a little bit little bit off-Broadway, but my best betting <laughs> proposition of, of the day is uh, Rain of Fire, race three. I marked this two-year-old first starter, 350. Been super impressed with its trials. I reckon Rain of Fire will win on debut. Um, my best betting propositions have been uh, Festival Miss, which ran second to Laver and came out and won last Saturday. Picture Perfect, which uh, ran second to Barra Magic, mm. came out one last Saturday, and The Velvet King, which ran second uh, in uh, the Belmont Sprint last last Saturday. So, so all I'm um, hearing is that we should be backing The Velvet King in the Hyperion, and we should be looking at Ra- yes. we should be looking at Rain of Terror second up. Se- se- <laughs> yes. Okay, perfectly. Or <laughs> back it for a place. Just taking just taking a little note for that at the moment. Okay, <laughs> perfect. A couple of black bookers before they even run. That's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, rain, of, rain of Fire, yeah, rain of, sure. rain of Fire, sorry, what did I say, Rain of Terror? All right, now it's time for our Maddie BJ, 20 to 1 or longer, please. What do you got for me? Difficult day for a Maddie. Difficult day for a Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, the horse that's most uh, pronounced over my... Um, my market price and is um, and fits the uh, the category mm. of a Maddie from a one one point of view. Race nine, number four, three secrets. First up, uh, I think there's a bit of thirty one dollars available at the moment. I uh, I marked him around the thirteen fifteen dollar mark, so mm-hmm. um, price. So that's a bit of bit of an overlay there. So first up. Three secrets um, in the in the get out stakes for me. Yeah, it's a bit of value there if you can um, if you if you're happy to take on Western Pride, getting a little bit further back in, and Zephyr Queen maybe not repeating that effort. There is a bit of value deeper in that market. I think Three Secrets won first up last campaign. Might have beat Sir Mambo. Don't quote me on that. That's a it did somewhere yep. in the back of my very small brain. Um, but Peppy Jack's another that's going to get out. It's probably fifty mm. to one late on Betfair. It's going well. But for me, Skin and Tins is the the Maddie Bear J. Um, I am pretty keen on the favourite, so I won't be going mad or uh, having much on it all to be honest. But uh, from a map point of view, I, I, I like. It's a shame this isn't over fourteen or sixteen hundred. The drop back to thirteens, unideal. But I like Mitch going on, and I think if Mitch can grab the back of uh, Zephyr Queen. Um, yeah, it can run a race at what I expect to be $40 plus on Betfair late, BJ. Yeah, I agree with you there, Terry. Um, and uh, yeah, you and uh, that's the second week in a row, you and uh, Ash Maley, Maddie's. Mm. After, um, so, uh, but yeah, it won't be long before the guru and uh, the man from Jinjin, Ash Maley, get uh, get uh, back in the winner's circle. Yeah, yeah, can't be too far away. Probably that's why I've been battling for the last month of the punt is I've been uh, aligning myself with the stable who's not having too many winners in the city. So when Maley hits form, I hit form. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, that, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe. Um, 
could be this weekend where it all turns around. So we've done our one bet. We've done our Maddie. Now it's time we move on to our horses to follow our black booking segment. Terry is uh, is uh, always gives out a few here and there. Uh, which ones are you prepared to uh, to pass on to the public this week, Terry? Because I know you do like to to keep your A set to yourself, which is fair enough. But uh, what what are you letting the public in on? Uh, well, I've, we've already discussed those three runners that um, misstrode at the 150 last uh, last uh, Saturday. But I'd be keeping an eye on the three of those. Divine Shadow looks like a real. Um, looks like a real stayer and one I think you can probably follow with a bit of confidence over the journey it's not it wasn't just a one-off performance it was also the week before when um when uh, it's at three deep the trip so yeah definitely follow divine shadow over a journey um there's three others I, I want to quickly mention mrs brown's boy has got to oh. be ready has got to be ready you got that one as well oh I think it's yeah it's got to be ready to win a race it's difficult at the moment because they're running it's running into these max uh, capacity um, fields usually with one or two sharp ones in it lots of speed there's gates of Babylon's Laurentinios um, Maginicas there's been heaps of speed it's been very difficult so he's been jagged back jagged back jagged back um, they want to go forward the horse is now flying if you find a suitable speed map yep. over the mile it's uh, gee whiz we just we absolutely back the truck up um, and get involved I thought there. I thought you might have been keeping Mrs. Brown's boys in I was going to I actually was yeah. going to yeah, I actually was going <laughs> to yeah, shit um, another one uh, is point taken uh, I think the horse is absolutely fly mm. I think there's been a little bit of poor placement perhaps throughout the campaign I reckon there's a Saturday win in this horse when we can draw a gate over the 1200 the 1000 was always going to be too short last camp uh, last week um, despite sitting deep over the 1000 still run a really uh, solid last couple of splits and I think Point Taken's gone to a different level just not getting the right runs even the two wins his campaign Vic- Victoria Corvus sat deep on it when it won two starts ago and Chloe dropped a horse who's notoriously been an on-pace runner back to near last um, I think it's that one where you've got the video of Brittany Taylor dancing um, and celebrating after the victory where the, the cameraman yep, yep. um caught her out that was quite entertaining um <laughs> that uh that victory then i mean the horse is in an impossible position on a day where not not many made ground so i think point taken's gone to another level just not finding the right setup so i think a saturday race victory is there um and the other one is a horse i tipped yesterday a bit dirty um with the way the race panned out demi go round for an inform rebecca shanksyard um Sent to the top by Chloe, taken on by Fairjoy and Bossy Rose, lock, stock and barrel. It was just oh, painful, painful viewing. I had the early price, backed off the map, something like 26s to 12s. Um, kept backing it the whole way down. I was I was pretty confident. Um, Fairjoy, beaten 11.5. Bossy Rose, beaten 19.7. Demi go round who absorbed all that pressure was beaten 3.5. So mm. big, 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 big performance. And it probably doesn't look like it on paper, um, how big that performance was to absorb that pressure and only go down by a few lengths. So expect Demi to go very close uh, in a race you can lead with less pressure soon. BJ. Okay, yeah, I, I um, had I'd flagged Mrs. Brown's boys as well. Uh, reckon he's just about ready, um, as Terry alluded to. From a Belmont sprint point of view, I think most people would have liked the way that Mississippi Delta hit the line, uh, sorry, not Belmont, Hyperion mm-hmm. Stakes point of view, um, would have liked the way Mississippi Delta hit the line in the Belmont Sprint last Saturday, stepping up to the mile and then again to the 2000 um, in the two uh, upcoming Wait for Age feature races. She's going to be very, very hard to beat. A um, couple of maidens who um, 
who I think are worth following. Universal Pleasure ran second to Sweet Azza in a 1,000-meter um, uh, maiden at uh, Northam on Monday. I really liked Universal Pleasure's trials, and I liked the way it stuck to its guns, even though it was um, it was up against a, against a pretty speedy little filly uh, on Monday. Universal Pleasure, I think, is from the Stefan Vahala stable. It's, uh, it's a horse worth following. And I thought Wise Cracker was pretty good on debut. David Harrison, Paul Harvey was rolled late by... Mirtha Music, um, that was Pinjarra Sunday. So those two horses, Wisecracker and Universal Pleasurer, don't expect them to be maidens for too much longer. And, um, and uh, you know, Elby's Pride won a pretty lowly kind of staying maiden on, um, on Monday. But Let's give it a 10 out of 10 as well. It, but yeah, exactly. But it's, um, it's runs prior to that. It probably could have won one – Either of its last four, really. Um, I uh, I really like the way it, it's showing some staying chops, a little bit in the mould of uh, I don't know whether it's related to or not, but definitely from the same ownership as a horse by the name of Mister Elby, who didn't show a lot early, but then just kept improving, improving, improving. Same stable, yep. Paula Wagyard, um, just improving and became a really, really decent uh, stayer. Good money spinner, Mister Elby. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see Elby's pride go right on with job stays well. Anything two thousand meter plus, I just think he's going to be in co- really competitive in whatever he steps out in next so they are my horses to follow and i must say that you touched on a jimmy taylor runner in your spiel there the um point taken i reckon perceptive miss same stable is just about ready to pinch one Mm -hmm. Uh, usually good for a win a prep uh didn't mind her run a last start she's just about ready to pinch one as well perceptive miss very good. That uh, wise cracker you mentioned as well. It's coming from a fairly hot trial. The first horse was she. Yes. She's enchanted. Walked in yesterday. Wise cracker ran second, and Fair Justice won well on uh, on Monday. So um, hot trial. I like what you're. Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, BJ. Good stuff. Uh, speaking of hot trials, or rather top notch trials, have uh, any, has anything caught your eye over the last week, Terry? Ah, uh, no. It hasn't, actually. It probably has, but I haven't written it down, so let's just go with no. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I must say that Digby Beecham, if you're not following, um, uh, I think it's either under the At The Races WA or or the Tab Radio Twitter feeds, um, uh, either one of those two. If you're not following them, make sure you check out Digby's trial report video that uh, he's putting out. Really, really good stuff, Um, just I mean, he's just he's going through all the uh, all the uh, eye-catching performances of the day. Very thorough. The replays are there as well. Um, pretty astute judge Digby, and uh, he he covers all the action there. So you'll get a leg up on some of uh, the top-notch trialers via Digby's video Twitter um, feed that's uh, that's going on uh, in recent times. So check that out. But for me, I. Um, I have a lot of time for a horse from three-year-old filly from the Lindsay Smith yard called Puckapunyal. Um, tipped out after a last start win, which was a good result. Uh, back in action uh, at the Lucky Hill Trials on Tuesday. I reckon this horse is going to win a stack of races. I think it's um, well above average Puckapunyal. So follow it whenever she steps out first up soon um silken eyes who uh we both uh have followed closely over the journey david harrison mostly ridden by paul harvey 
savaged the line in uh, in his trial. He's a, he's a three-year-old with uh, potential top-end talent as well, sprinting talent, is silken eyes. And I did like the way a horse from the Sharon Miller yard, I think you have had a bit of success with this horse as well um, previously, was Tiff Has Spoken. Um, worked home really well underneath Alan Kennedy in, in a Lark Hill trial on Tuesday. Like that effort, I expect Tiff Has Spoken to win a race or two or three this time in, Terry. Yeah, it comes out of that uh, that hot um, that hot maiden, as you said. There would have been, I reckon there would have been seven winners come out of that uh, that maiden in time, BJ. So uh, yeah, definitely worth uh, worth following that one. Okay, and uh, finally, uh, our whatever happened to segments? Um, just old old form. As we as we go back through some um, when we're doing the form for so sad days, we come across some old form. Um, wouldn't mind chasing up with Reese Radford to see exactly what's happening with former railway stakes winner. Great shot, uh, unsighted in these wait for age features, which are usually the races that um, that Reese. Uh, tackles with with great shot just uh wanting to see what uh, what the plan is with him and whether he'll be back for another crack at the ascot spring summer carnival later in the year and not not many stables are hotter at the moment than the sean and jake casey training combination i've got a very <laughs> a very uh soft spot for a horse by the name of pablo's poem which has um, been a bit of a costly little soft spot over the journey but um might just check in with him with them to see where uh, the grey Pablo's poem is at um, got a lot got a lot of ability and but has probably had a few issues over the journey so hopefully they've they've been ironed out and um, the last one I uh, I must say that I was looking at the showmanship breeding last night and I noticed that he was a um, full sister to a horse by the name of La Moulin. Do you remember La mm-hmm. Moulin, Terry? Mm-hmm. Cerise and White won six from nine, looked like being, uh, was progressing into a really, really top sprinting mare. She was, she went amiss and was, uh, was retired and just letting all the listeners know that she's actually in, 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 has a foal at foot to Piero and has another Piero on the way. So, uh, Uncle Bob, uh, Peters has, uh, more, um, elite talent on the way. And, um, so yeah, La Moline was, uh, showmanship's full sister and she's um she's been retired to start and has uh, has a couple of pieros at foot so just thought the listeners might be interested to know that as well very good reasonable uh bloodlines there isn't there yeah you're not wrong not wrong there Terry. blue bloods for sure you got a couple of shares in those ones do you i wish mm. <laughs> how do we how do we manage that yeah, need to uh, roll some of the dig date winnings over into it. Perhaps that might be the uh, that might be the go. Yeah, well, Hong Hong Kong might be beckoning for uh, for dig date, yeah. especially after they paid over one one point four million dollars for Talladega. Terry, that's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of money. Huge. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But um, also a lot of talent. But geez, you need to win a few races. Talladega was a gelding. We're cold still. Gelding, yeah. Gelding, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to yeah. win a couple of races just to pay that off, don't you? But uh, uh, good luck to them. They've clearly got more money than we do. Yeah, good business. Good business, mm. that, for sure. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode uh, of the podcast, BJ. Thanks for joining us once again uh, remotely. I look forward to actually seeing you in the flesh next week. And don't forget, we have yeah. uh, we have our guest, Peter McCormick, joining us uh, on next week's podcast. And in a few weeks' time, we'll have Mitch Pateman and his manager, Dane Hollingworth, as well. So we've got a couple of guests coming up in the coming weeks. Might even go for a podcast on location. What do you reckon, BJ? Maybe even up to the – could even look at getting up to the Mundaring Hotel 
to uh to heart of the hills the heart yeah. of the hills yeah to uh for a uh for a, well for at least a feed uh things we have a long drive ahead of us but uh we've got to start supporting the local businesses but looking forward to having peter on next week i'm looking forward to getting back to the races in the next few weeks as well and actually smelling the uh the freshly cut grass and uh, and the and the horse manure once again there's something about that that uh, that combination that uh, just warms my soul um but until that, good luck to everybody on the weekend on the punt, and uh, we hope you uh, can find a couple of winners and enjoy the uh, the big match races we have uh, Perth Racing has for us this weekend. And um, until next week on the one one.